Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Good afternoon, Calgary. This is the Just a Game podcast. With Rob Kerr, I, for the second time in a week, am not Rob Kerr. I am Danny Austin, uh, and I'm going to be hosting here today. Uh, exciting week in Calgary sports, so we are going to have lots to talk about. We are going to be talking about the Stampeders uh, with my friend Ryan Ballantyne from Three Down Nation. Um, that'll be sort of for most of the first hour, although we are going to lead um, with obviously talking about Craig Conroy getting hired by the Flames as their new general manager tomorrow and in hour two, which starts at about 2 p.m. Uh, we will have Julian McKenzie from The Athletic. Uh, really excited. He's a, he's a good buddy of mine. He's on my, on my slow pitch team. He's going to talk about, honestly, probably the coolest thing I've ever done um, on Monday night. It was compared to Willie Mays. I'm not lying. It was amazing. But we're going to start with my friend Ryan Ballantyne. Um, and I'm going to do an ad read, which is which is not my strength. So guests are brought to you by Ski, Ski Seller Snowboard, who opened their doors in Calgary back in 1946. That means that they have been here for 76 years in Calgary for the summer. Please visit them at their McLeod Trail location by Chinook Center. And of course, they are experts when it comes to skis and snowboards, but they are so much more. Ask them about snow skating, check out their clothing, and warm weather gear too. So with that, I'm going to bring in Ryan Ballantyne. Hey, good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Buddy, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, excited to be in the studio for the first time. I think this is, a, this is a nice little setup they got in here. Yeah, the Nation Network does it right. This is probably my fifth or sixth time. Um, yeah, it's like it's actually really impressive. I, I, I know lots of people presumably you know, watch the Barn Burner, um, watch those guys, obviously watch Just a Game with Rob Kerr, but it's pretty neat. We're here in Mardaloop. It's, uh, you would not know that this was here, but um, you know, every time I consider starting my own sort of podcast or anything, it's like, it, it's harder than it looks, and these guys are doing it right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, more involved than my, <laughs> than yes. my show, uh, which are... is just one mic in the middle of a poker table in my basement. Exactly. <laughs> you are one of the, one of the three co-hosts at this point. This yeah. Year? The yeah. Three I, would, I would of the Go Stamps Go podcast, sort of uh, the preeminent Stampeders fan podcast, yeah. um, as well as you write for Three Donation. That's right. Yeah. Time. It's, uh, it's been good. I've been uh, doing the, the podcast since 2008, um, uh, back when nobody knew what podcasts were and, uh, uh, we have the same uh, anonymity now that everybody has a podcast um, <laughs> in uh, 2023, and I've been with Three Down now for five years. Nice. Um, well, we are going to talk Stampeders. Yes. Um, we're obviously going to talk Stampeders because wow. I am the sort of Stampeders beat reporter, <laughs> um, and it's kind of why you're here. Um, 
But I, I, I do actually want to start, obviously, with the Flames. Um, you are also a, I mean, you're a Calgary sports fan. And I think that everyone here in Calgary, I, I haven't actually gotten any negative reaction to them hiring uh, Craig Conroy as general manager, which is really nice to see. Um, I know that in the media, all of us were sort of talking in the press room after after that press conference yesterday and saying, you know, it's been a long time. And part of that is, you know, the COVID season and, and with Jeff Ward and, and what have you, that that year didn't go great, but it's been a long time since there was a press conference that just felt that positive. Um, and I know that that's not the whole job. The whole job is not to bring good vibes to Calgary and to the Saddledome, but I don't know. It was nice for a day. And I got to say, like, <laughs> it was just, it, it was, it was so, and we're going to get into the specifics. We're going to get into some things that he said, some things that, um, you know, good and potentially bad. Um, but it, it just was, it was a breath of fresh air. I got to tell you. Well, it must be nice to look across the table at one of those flames press conferences and not assume that the person on the other side of it hates you. Uh, which is something that has been, I mean, like I, I'm a, I was a Daryl Sutter guy for a long time. I, I was there, you know, for $15 a game during the, the 2004 run up in the bleeder seats um, all the way through and in Sutter we trust and all of that. And I love the idea that they brought him back, but I think it was shown out this season that he's not the, the reason for the, for, I, I think he's not the coach for today's generation of players anymore. Um, and, uh, I think when you, when you look at Craig Conroy yesterday, yeah, the, the joy he brought into the room, the enthusiasm of wanting to be there and not treating the availability like it was some sort of, um, a chore that he had to do. And I will say, I mean, Brad Tree Living never, never really treated it that way either. It was just with Craig, I mean, with Brad, and I mean, Brad was the smartest guy in the room. So that, I'm not saying that in mm -hmm. the you know in the way that's meant to be a criticism at all. Brad is so smart and knew knew his stuff. But I, I certainly would say that with with Brad, it, it sometimes felt like he was withholding a little bit. Um, and and Craig will likely have to be a little bit more strategic with with how much he shares um, with us. But him being open about the importance of, of these, those conversations with Jonathan Huberto. Um, him talking about, look, we're not going into the season with seven UFAs. Um, so guys like Elias Lindholm, guys like Tyler Toffoli, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, you have to either get those guys signed or move on prior to the season. And him pretty openly saying that, like him talking about needing more youth and how he's actually not going to go sign veterans late in the summer to fill roster spots. Those are going to be reserved for guys on the Wranglers this season to come in and make their mark. I mean, those are actual details in terms of the direction that this team is going that forget whether Craig is a nice guy. I actually just think that as someone who, I mean, I follow the team professionally, but if you're a fan as well, I think it's really nice to have those details. It gives you sort of an understanding of, the direction of the franchise. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching that press conference yesterday because of the things he was saying and because he was being relatively open, which was a nice change from what we had seen before. Um, now, he also said it in, in, question, in answer to a different question, but I think the mentality may be the same. We'll see how that is in a couple months. You know, he's, he, he did talk about, you know, how, how he was really enjoying the idea of being the general manager of the Flames, and we'll see how that is down the road. We'll see how his interactions with the media are down the road as well. Um, but I, I agree. I think I, I was expecting him to be the Flames general manager, not, not only because I think he deserves the job, um, after being in the organization for 12 years and being well-regarded within the organization, you never heard a bad thing about him beforehand. But let's also be real about the idea that there are severance packages being offered to the, the former coach of this team and Craig Conroy being 
inside the building. I'm not privy to his salary details. I'm not privy to his contract, but this is a guy that made millions and millions of dollars as a player. I'm not assuming that he's going to be looking for, you know, a a world beating contract and, and expecting the moon contractually. Um, He's already an employee of the organization. He wants to be here. He wants the opportunity. So is he maybe a cheaper hire than some of the other bigger names that may have been thrown around in this situation? I think he probably is um, for the same reason why it wouldn't surprise me to see Mitch Love moving up to become the coach of this team in the near future, not only because I think financially it works out for this team that has really shown itself to be a team that doesn't like to spend a lot of money from an administrative side over the years, but also because he'll be coming up with the youth that he's been so successful with with the Wranglers organization over the last two seasons. He'll have a, a good read on what those guys are capable of doing and where they might slot into the lineup. Yeah, and I mean th- th- those are those are two different. Yeah, there's you know, a whole bunch of a whole bunch yeah. in that answer, but um, yeah. Well, and I don't, and like I'm, I'm generally of the belief that I mean my reasoning for ultimately I wanted Craig Conroy to be the GM or Brad Pascal to be perfectly honest with you, who I think has also done a terrific job within the organization. Um, I'm, I'm like, there are how many GM jobs in, yep. in the NHL? Most of them end in failure on some level. I am not a believer. And I, I keep saying like Dumbledore isn't out there, you know, with his magic wand to, to say like, it is basically a process that most of these guys you want to avoid. Well, even, even he dies. I, I, I know, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to go full into it. No, but, into I, I, but I, my point yeah, is I that like, ultimately, like I don't know that there is always like it, you know, there's a process that you have to follow on some level. Um, and then you have to not make the big mistakes. And I mean, in terms of Brad tree living, that would be signing James Neal. In terms of Dave Nonis, who they signed in his tenure with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it was signing David Clarkson. You have to avoid those mistakes and ultimately, like, you know, build through youth and, and, and add the right pieces as you go. And so I don't think that there would have been a huge difference between him and any of the I, – I don't think that any of the other candidates would could have been substantially better. I just think that these guys all generally have the same experience. Craig's been here for a long time, and I, I think that he deserves that shot. So that was always my opinion. And then you have the other part of it, which is um, – and without beating up on Daryl too much, because, you know, he won the Jack Adams a year mm-hmm. ago. Um, he certainly did some good things in his second tenure here. Um, but, like, let's let, let's be perfectly honest with you. I, I don't know that sort of the face, the front-facing image of the organization has been particularly friendly. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing for people to like the people in charge of this team. And I no, think that they I, like Brad. I'm not trying to say that they didn't like Brad. But, like, yeah, it being positive, it being smiles, it being hopeful, it... You know, well, is, and it, is, it was a good thing for, for the Calgary Flames yesterday. It, it, there was a, a demarcation clearly with this team with the Pelletier press conference. I mean, where, I think a lot of people feel that way. Where, where a lot of, a lot of the, the sentiment towards Daryl in the public, yeah. I think, changed in that moment. I think in that moment they went from, well, if these crybaby players can't get to get it together, Daryl knows what he's doing and I can't believe that they wouldn't perform for him in the way that other players have in the past to, man, what is he doing? Why would he, why would he take that shot at this kid for no reason? And I, I think it, it, the attitude in the public flipped on Daryl almost in that moment. It, it's a hard, I mean, that's Fonzie jumping the shark in that, in that moment from where it was, okay, well, now you'd better win because if you're going to treat players like that in the public, now you'd better win. Now, he did that in his first stint here too. 
I mean, if you go back to the 04, 05, 06, he would constantly be in the media after games going, our best players have to be our best players and they weren't good enough tonight and it's our best players that are going to carry this team and they're not doing that. And that was acceptable then. It's no longer acceptable now. Jacob Peltier is not supposed to be one of their best players. He's a 20 No, kid, but, but was, even, yeah. even in that treatment, in that moment of um, no longer are players thought of as disposable assets um, that can be uh, given away at a moment's notice. We as a society have progressed in how we treat each other. Yeah, and, is- and that's, and that's in, incredibly evident in the hockey world. I mean, you look at the success they're having up in Edmonton with a rah-rah coach. I mean, they, they brought in a coach that that is is excitable, is motivated, is a, a player first coach, and now they're you know that now granted, I think making playoff the success round is they really didn't good. I think yeah playoff success hasn't really materialized, and they're wasting the best two players of their generation. But that doesn't mean that they're not having that regular season success sure. if and they could building, just get a goaltender. Or and a I will say, when Daryl talks, it's one thing I do believe in him. When Daryl talks about you know you have to do it one year after. Year after year, mm-hmm. you have to fail. You have to learn from those failures. I'll be honest with you. I I thought the Oilers were going to win the cup this year. Coming out of the first round, um, you know, and I, I think that they will win a cup in the next couple of years. Um, drives me nuts. But um, you, I, you like to think that. But, I mean, I like to think that they're, that eventually one of McDavid or Dreisaitl is just going to go, nope. I'm done. Get me out of and here. And then when that happens, that's member. it. They're done. Yes. I just honestly, I mean, I think that they, yeah, I, I can sharp the Oilers, um, but no, they're, that, that's a formidable hockey team. So your point is correct there. Um, and I'm going to be very curious. I mean, I, I, I'm a big supporter of Mitch Love. I think what he's done at the AHL level is, is amazing. I, I think Ryan Huska needs to be given consideration as well. Um, and Conroy clearly has his guys around the league, right? I mean, um, I, I, I think it was the Barnburner guys talking yesterday about was it Tange? Um, you know, I did hear that name floated. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you know, there's. I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to ask Julian later on about you know his potential names. Um, but I, I, I do think the new era, it, 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 this team potentially needed to just sort of start from scratch, and that's what they've done. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, they wanted Brad back, so this was all sort of brought on um, by Brad's decision to leave. Although I don't know. If Brad had stayed, I don't know if Daryl was staying. I, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, it, it felt, I think, since I've lived in Calgary, in, which I moved here in 2011, um, sort of after the Aginla trade, it felt like, okay, here's a new era coming on. You're going to go. You're going to rebuild. It's going to be rough for a couple of years. And, and by and large, I mean, people seem to forget how good Monaghan was for, mm-hmm. for a long time. You know, you had Gaudreau, um, Bennett didn't work out, Kachuk, obviously. I mean, Kachuk, I'll, I'll say, might be the top player in the league right this second. Yeah, um, that feels great. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I, again, I am not a Flames, like, quote-unquote fan. So, um, But, look, I mean, that felt like – and it was not a false dawn. You know, that, that, that team was together for a long time, had success – there's no, there's no criticism of from no, and, that. and that's but that's this, been the problem with the Flames all along is they they can't get it done in the playoffs, and yet they're too good in the regular season to get those franchise changing pieces in the in to get there. I mean, when you look at the Oilers' success, let's not Connor McDavid's the number one pick overall and would be oh in Christ. any year that I can think of. the The next Connor might be the first guy that you would think, oh, maybe that's a Connor that's better than the Connor, but. Is McDavid the number one pick 
in every hockey draft ever right now. Like, there, you, you don't get away from that. The Flames have drafted fourth twice as a franchise. As a franchise, they've never drafted in the top three. They've drafted fourth twice. They've drafted sixth or lower every other year as a franchise. And so when you're not getting... You know, it, it when you're not getting that Sidney Crosby, that Alexander Ovechkin, that, you know, I mean, even going back to, to Taylor Hall and, and those guys, you know, it, you look at, at those lottery picks and the Flames just aren't there. Even when they're in the lottery, they're not doing well. You know, they're not winning lotteries. They're not moving up in lotteries at all. They're just where they finish every single year and they finish in the, you know, mid to range, low playoff spot or just outside the playoff spot, which is not high enough draft picks to get somebody who will seriously change the face of this franchise. Now, I mean, the teams that are going to be in the Stanley Cup finals and we're going to move to the, the stamps pretty yeah. quickly here because I do know Cami is, is about 15 minutes away. Okay. Um, I hear you. I will also very quickly note that the two teams that are probably going to be in the Stanley Cup finals, neither of them have a number one overall draft pick right i mean florida and, and vegas don't so there is not only one way to rebuild true true um, but uh, vegas did get the benefit of a a very healthy expansion and, process and the florida rebuild took took a long time yeah and look i mean they and again i'm not trying to rub this in i, I but since 96 but I think? yeah but i mean they, they got in matthew Kachuk a generational player last yes summer. i mean they, they they saw it and they moved and i, I <sighs> will guarantee you that every other team in the nhl is sitting there right now wondering why they didn't throw everything at the flames for Matthew Kachuk because, you know, I don't know that he's the best player in the world, but given start of the 2022-23 season to right now, I don't have any question that he is, he had the best year. No, he, I think, he I think he'll, season. I think he'll be looking for, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't win the con Smythe. No, I mean, he's, I mean, he's been incredible. It's amazing to watch. Um, and uh, Salem Valji checking in. What up, Salem? Um, I told him he's welcome to stop by at any time. I just opened the studio up for anyone who wanted to say hi. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Matthew Kachuk, it's... I don't know that Calgary fans should be mad at him. I, I'm not going to tell Calgary fans how to feel or how not to feel. But I, it, it certainly... It's got to suck. I mean, I, again, I'm, am I happy with the the Kadri huberto replacements long-term? I think I will be. Um, they definitely didn't pay off this season, but I think that was a combination of a, of a coach that didn't necessarily mesh well. Um, so next season will tell whether or not that trade's a good one for Calgary. I do love uh, Mackenzie Weger, what he was able to do on the blue line. I think the combination of Weger and Huberto probably gives you a better, you know, long-term future than just a couple seasons of Matthew Kachuk. But at the same time, like, he asked to leave. So as a Flames fan... I was perfectly okay not being okay with Matthew Kachuk. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll be rooting for Vegas uh, come the Stanley Cup Finals if both of those series close out uh, because I would rather see Vegas win than see Matthew Kachuk trade his way, demand a trade out of Calgary and then go win a ring. Um, that's, you know, I'm fine if he finishes his career without one. I'm fine if you feel that way. <laughs> I'm not going to argue because I'm not a fan. Um, very quick, just correction because <laughs> the rare time when I host the Just a Game podcast with Rob Kerr. Um, I try to hold myself accountable. Cami Kepke, who is listening from her car as she drives in, has uh, thankfully pointed out to me that the Panthers did take Aaron Eckblad. With oh, yes, that's true. Pick. So that's true. I was incorrect. Thank you, Cami. Thank you, Cami. So, um, yeah, either way, I guess, I guess my point was wrong. <laughs> um, there you go. So they're um, headed with the number one pick. Yes. Let us, because we are going to have, honestly, we've now done 20 minutes on the Flames. Um, oh, good times. And... I get to do Stampeders every once in a while. So we are going yeah. to do the next sort of the next 
probably half hour is going to be stamps talk. And then um, we will transition back to with Julian McKenzie. Um, uh, probably about a good hour of just Craig Conroy questions and breaking down every word that was said at that press conference. But thank you. Uh, you are also incredibly knowledgeable on the flame. So I appreciate it. You were at Monday's game. Um, I, was. I was. One of the all, few, the proud. Well, yep. Um, well, there were, there were almost 18,000 there, which for a preseason game in the smoke with a thunder shower coming in, I see you nodding. There were officially 18,000 <laughs> yes, there people there. 17,759-ish tickets yeah. sold, it give was, or take. It was one of, I mean, nothing, like, there was nothing that the Stamps or the Elks no. could do about it. Like, it honestly, we woke up, there was a smoke delay, so it was about 45 minutes late getting started. Um, Which actually timed out perfectly, honestly, given given what happened at halftime yes. in the one-hour delay, that that happened at halftime is probably better for both teams and the fans than it would have been if it had been five minutes into the third quarter or eight minutes into yeah. the third quarter. I was tired, to put it plainly. Um, tired is an interesting <laughs> uh, use of that word. I was tired. The CFL, I couldn't get any stats from the game, which makes it right Still in for can't. print. Still can't. So as Ryan and I try to talk about some of what happens, we apologize. <laughs> I don't know how many <laughs> yards any of the any of the quarterbacks or threw for, or, or actually, I, I mean, I barely, I can tell you the score. The Stamps won 29-24. doesn't mean anything, though. Um it then rained at halftime for what was it an hour and a half? I uh, was. It ended up. I think it was just over an hour delay total. Just over an hour delay. Yeah, total. just over an, an hour uh, first. Uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't the rain that delayed it. Obviously, it's the lightning in the area. It was a yes. thunderstorm. There was lightning that we could see from the press box up there. Either um, way, I love my job. I am very fortunate to have my you job. You were suffering. I love covering the state beaters. I've never wanted to not be at work more than I did by the end of that game. Plus, I had a slow pitch game, which I was worried I was going to be missing. Well, and you. You went um, Willie Mays in that slow I pitch did. game I've heard. Honestly, it was the sickest catch I've ever made. Um, <laughs> I will be breaking that down in the second hour. Uh, it's gonna Julian McKenzie is gonna hate it. Um, we'll also talk about how I was in GQ once. Um, um, <laughs> but uh, tell me what were, if anything, because the truth is with, with preseason football, I mean, like, there's only so much you can you can take away from it. Um, so. What tell me? What did what did you see? What what would you take? Give me just a couple, and we'll, yeah. we'll bounce back and yeah, forth yeah, here. Yeah. But there's a couple things that, like, honestly, like, what did you see that, like, if you were speaking to fans who are not going to start tuning in until the regular season starts or even Labor Day, what did you see that you think was significant? Uh, I think, uh, I mean, Kadeem Carey is Kadeem Carey, uh, and he is. I think even even he got three carries. It was thirty six yards. Uh, he went for 20, 10, and 6. On he had three. that bounce, though. That was the thing. Yeah, and, and he said after the game, it was nice that my feet were awake for a preseason game because normally they aren't. Mm -hmm. Normally they wait to the regular season. If Kadeem Carey plays all 18 games, that man will be your league MOP. Yesterday, I'm not going to name her because she's awesome and I, I don't want to be coming across as criticizing, but someone tweeted, oh, I, I always struggle who is the league's top running back. And it's like, Kim oh, Carey yes. is the top running back in, there's in no the question. CFL. There's no question. Um, there's no question. And I did think, I, Diedrich Mills, who is sort of the backup running back this year, I think those of us who follow the team closely are really, really excited to see what those two can do as a tandem because mm -hmm. Kadeem's not a kid. You know, he's been around for both the NFL and the CFL for a number of years. So I mm -hmm. don't think you want him running the ball 25 times a game. No. But if you can do him 15 and Diedrich 10, I think that you're in really good shape. They're both big bodied. They, you know, they can smash through 
defensive back. So it's a matter of creating those holes. And I don't know the D, Drake. And if they can get him on the field at the same time. Uh, last, which, last year was a struggle to, to have Mills, Logan, and Carey all in the field at the same time. And I think Logan probably is in that backup spot just because he'll also be the returner. Yeah, and I haven't truly broken it down. But, I mean, I, I do think that with Jalen out, you're just going to put Logan as the returner and basically leave him there, right? Well, but you've got Jalen as a, as a Canadian, right? So, yeah, but a Canadian receiver. It's still one less. You're just going to play one less Canadian receiver. But that roster spot, they, it, it, it'll be interesting. The, the Stampeders, I think, are in a position where they can dress more Canadians than they have to. Which they always do. That's um, why. And, but even, even when they could do that last year, they still ended up not being able to put Mills, Carrie Ann, Logan all on the, on, the, on the field at the same time. I think, so, I, I think that everything that I'm hearing is that that's if, the goal. If that's, the ha- if that's what happens this year, I mean, watch out. Yeah, and I believe that is what they want. Um, as you said, I, I like honestly me trying to figure out the ratio without a depth chart yes. in front of me is a very <laughs> stupid thing to do. I hate the CFO ratio at the best of times. Um, but it's what necessary. did you see from Jake? Oh, I'm not. I, oh, I don't. Yeah, hate yeah, it yeah, as, I a, know, I know. as a concept, I just hate trying to figure it out. Um, what did you see from Jake Mayer? This is your Calgary Stampeders starting quarterback. He didn't play very much in no. his preseason. You don't expect him to be good. I wrote in my. 50 things that I'm wondering about. The, I don't know what I call that column. It's exhausting, and I don't know why I do it. Um, I wrote that, like, look, I think the Stampeders fans, what I am sensing is that there's not a ton of confidence there. There's maybe cautious optimism, and what I said was I think that people are overplaying what happened in the West semifinal last year where he played pretty terribly, and I would have faith if I was a Stampeders fan, but I'll be honest with you, like, he didn't look great. No, but, I mean, let let's... Also, put it's his third league. It's his third year in the league. I mean this this isn't a guy that that is coming in. You know, this isn't a guy that's that's oh he's an established quarterback and we're concerned about him. I mean, did he look great in the preseason? How game? much did you no. and I make fun of Cody Fajardo a couple years ago for saying it's only my second year as a starter? <laughs> <laughs> Don't yes, do but that. this is this is now Jake's second year as a starter. Yes, and he didn't get a training camp as a starter so, last year. No, he didn't get a training camp as a starter last year. And let's not let's. And not, not forget bad down the stretch that this training camp, they're only eight days in. Every other team has two weeks of training camp before they're playing. I mean, other than the Elks, obviously, but every other team has two weeks of training camp before they have to play a game. The Stampeders and the Elks got one week of training camp that was assaulted by the wildfire smoke. Mm-hmm. They were canceling practices. They were moving practices. They were practicing inside a bubble where they had to kick it into the roof and then throw a ball the rest of the way for special teams practice. I know, I mean, but Ryan, for the sake of for the sake of the podcast at radio, we can't just say that nothing matters. We have no, to break it down. I can. And say that I can. I can, I, can with say you. That, I can say that it matters. But let's see what Jake looks like in two weeks in BC. I agree. I like let let's give him the benefit of the idea that there's only been eight days of camp that have been. Tr- Truncated at best. So is he going to be at his best? Probably not. He only threw the ball three times. And one of them, I thought the Elks made a very nice defensive play was that, to take the ball away from Malik Henry. And I think Malik Henry still should have caught that ball. Yeah, so um, so I think I think when you look at that, I mean, if you're if you're looking at three passes that Jake Mayer well, sent, I mean, yeah, I'm not That's gonna, awesome. We have a graphic up with his oh. stats. Not from the preseason game, because God forbid those be available. No. But there there no. are his stats. Okay. Which are, Formidable. He was third in in quarterback rating last season, uh, despite only having eight starts. Um, He had an an over 100 quarterback rating last year. Um, I think the system is well designed for a quarterback of his talents. uh, And I think that given how effective the run game is going to be, that's going to open up receivers down.
downfield. Again, I preface this by saying that I thought people were overstating. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be just fine. I am genuinely a believer that if Jake is a top three quarterback in the CFL this year, right, the Stamps can win the Grey Cup. But let's um, but let's also remember that like we're going from Bo Levi Mitchell, who was you know if you let let's equate it to the dating scene. Bo Levi Mitchell is the guy that shows up with flowers every date. He's got chocolates for you. He overwhelms you with love. He's a love bomber, right? He's a guy that absolutely just does everything for you. I love that you haven't dated in so long. That guy does not exist. I know. Well, exactly. The guy no longer exists. What we have is now today's dater. We have the the dater that just shows up casually because you sent him a message on Bumble. Um, I and, and I'm not saying that Jake Mayer can't be effective, but he's not the guy that's going to throw the 65-yard touchdown on the run into the end zone to win a game on the last play. That's not who Jake is. Jake is a game-managing quarterback, and that's what Calgary's system can be very effective with. What really hampered Bo in his last couple of years here, and I've, I've said this before, and I think I even said it to his face, as I said, for too long, it seemed like he was trying to get it all on one play. He was, he was more interested in the 45-yard the completion than he was in the first down, and and he was looking downfield all the time because that's his mentality of I'm going to go for the touchdown on every single play. And I don't know that Jake has necessarily that outlook or that mindset, um, but Jake won games last year. And I know that the, he didn't look great in the playoff game. And, and that's, that is what it is. And we'll that's see what that becomes in you, the future. You build and you grow. That's a young quarterback. But that's right now, I mean, you know, you, you've got a guy that, that was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. When you take a look at what his stats per game turned out to be, I, I've got no concerns about Jake Mayer as a quarterback for this franchise. And I will also say, I mean, I think Bo's accuracy was off the last two yeah. seasons. Oh, yeah, his shoulder wasn't what it used to be, and that affected his throwing motion. It affected his accuracy. It affected all of that. Now, will he rebound in, in Hamilton? That, I think, is the most interesting question in the league this year. Which we are, it's 132. I want to, we're going to We'll get of, to that, but not Well, yet. yeah, we're going to sort of, for the, <laughs> you know, I, I'll be transparent here. Like, we are probably going to spend, like, the last 10 minutes here and go from general, Ryan loves the stamps, so expect his to be a little just, bit biased, little. but we're going to go from least likely to most likely to win the Great Cup. Um, so, I, like, I will say... The questions about Bo Levi Mitchell are there, and um, it is why I don't ha have Hamilton in my top two or three. Um, also, I mean, they're going to have to cut like 12 players um, who are established veterans because that salary cap makes no sense. But yeah, and I, I will say, just looking back at the game, um, beyond that, I mean, I really thought that Clark Barnes, um, yeah. the, the Canadian the receiver Canadian out of the University of Guelph, who was drafted third overall, um, sweet moment. He got the touchdown, ran, gave the ball to his mom. Um, but I know for a fact that the Stamps coaches can't believe that they got him in the third round. I don't think they intended on drafting two receivers in the first three rounds this year. Um, they were thrilled to get him, and he's just looked awesome throughout all of camp, um, which is particularly important because for those of you who don't know, uh, Jalen Philpott, who was their first-round draft pick last year, I think you and I both suspect that he's out for the year. They've only announced that he's out for training camp. But. At, yeah, at the moment, they just said, I think they've said he's out indefinitely. They haven't put a time frame on it, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him out for the year. Um, exactly. Richardson Danny, who is one of their starting Canadian receivers, has gone. So you're kind of waiting for a Canadian receiver to step up. Mom, I told you that I was doing a show. <laughs> I don't know why you're FaceTiming me. And the only reason that I am not on Do Not Disturb right now is just because we are waiting for Cami. Right. I am trying to communicate with her. Fair. So, um, but literally, like I... 
Well, maybe your mom has thoughts on Jake Mayer. <laughs> yeah, my mom definitely has thoughts on Jake Mayer. My mom got back from, my parents were were in Europe um, on Sunday, and they got back and called me Sunday when I was at Inglewood doing a bar crawl. Monday was obviously a crazy day. I just haven't been able to look at their pictures with them. So it's very sweet that she wants to share her trip with me, but I did just tell her that I was doing the show from <laughs> one to three. So. Um, yeah, and I don't. I, I I thought Cole Tucker, the other Canadian receiver. Look, I liked their Canadian receivers. Mm-hmm. I thought Luther Hackenavino had a touchdown. Was great. Again, we don't have stats, so it's really hard to, to actually like back any of this up with numbers. Because right, like, I, I, just, I do have I do I have some vague numbers because I wrote about them, so I I'm fam- I'm somewhat familiar. So I you know I I think when you look at uh, when you look at Barnes, he had the one catch. Um, you, you there was two catches. Uh, there was two catches um, for Tucker, uh, the first round pick. Uh, one of them was you know a nice catch and run in in the in the fourth quarter there crossroads, right? uh, from from Logan Bonner. Um, so if I mean if either of them can be, uh, the Stamps have never counted on their Canadian receivers being the game breakers for them. You know uh, I think when Jalen was expected to be a little bit more this year well i mean possibly a third let, let, sorry sorry uh, game breakers is canadians i think when you look at when you look at this team receiver starts and ends with reggie bagleton and Malik henry yes everybody well, else is going to get their yards but it's not going to be as i think that they they're as relied upon Jalen as being a legitimate weapon who could get them 70 or 80 yards a game um like Per game, like genuinely. Well, I but think I think that. they thought that about Juwan Breskison. They thought that about uh, Lamar Durant. If you go back, um, they've thought that about a lot of Canadian receivers who they never very, ended up being very briefly the thought guy. about Herjie Mayala. Yep, Herjie um, Mayala. Yeah, you know, I think, think Jalen's different. Like I genuinely do. I Jalen Jalen has proven, I think, in in his short term. Uh, when he was on the field, that he was able to, his speed makes you know, yeah. move move the ball and and get out and get open and and you know you have to wonder if he comes back from uh, I believe it's a, a lower body injury. It's hamstring, to, isn't it? Like to to take some. Uh, I think it's some a serious hockey. hamstring injury. Okay, if that's if that's been more publicized, then oh, I mean I'm willing to. I don't okay, know. so uh, I think I read that somewhere. I don't even think that's not my report. So it is it is a hamstring injury from what I've been told as well. Um, and so whether or not he recovers, whether or not his speed recovers from a hamstring injury if he comes back to be the same player he was um you know he showed flashes but at the same time he was also oft injured yep. uh this is his third injury already uh as a member of the stampeders and and that's you know that uh, you don't know how well that bodes long term you know uh, the the stamps also have a history of guys that uh, nick lewis the current Stamps receivers coach uh, once compared himself to a dump truck. He said, I'm the dump truck. I'm out there on every down. I'm never going to get injured and I'm always going to be the guy that's reliable. And he said, we have a lot of Ferraris on this team, guys that you can take out of the garage for a, a drive or two, but then they're back in the shop needing repairs. Um, and, uh, and that was in the days of, of guys like Mo Price, um, you know, who would come out and, and was lights out when he was on the field, but he couldn't stay on the field. You know, and and you gotta you gotta hope that that's not the case for Jalen Philpot. You hope that this this guy that played for the Dinos and and you know is is making him making a name for himself in the league can end ultimately be successful. But you also gotta wonder, you know, if this is three injuries already, how how durable can he be at a professional level? I think that them drafting two receivers in the first three may, rounds may tells tell us you a lot. that answer. Okay, where you going to do? Two more minutes that you have. Tell me, it's not allowed to be Reggie Bagleton. Okay. Name me one player who we haven't talked about who you think that 
casual fans sort of need to really be paying attention to. Rice and John. Okay. Wow. Uh, Rice and John, six foot seven. Uh, I think he's got what 240, 250 on his frame, somewhere around there. Just an absolute monster of a human being. Um, in a in a size sense, I don't know him personally, <laughs> but just to clarify. Um, but you know, six foot seven, and anytime you've got a guy at that height, I mean, we saw it with Agadosi last year in the in the Winnipeg game, went over Trey Roberson, one of the best corners in the game, and brought down two touchdowns. When you're a guy at that size in this league, I mean, you know, if you go all the way back to Teo Johnson with the Stampeders, they love the idea of having a guy that's that tall in the red zone. So for me, if I'm looking at a fantasy perspective, when you look at the CFL fantasy game, Rice and John is not going to cost a lot. And I think he's going to pick up quite a few touchdowns in the red zone because I, I think the idea of just throwing the ball up and letting the biggest guy in the room come down with it uh, is, is something that's going to be there. They did target him three times uh, on, uh, on Monday, which was, I think the leading target getter, uh, if we had a stats page to check, I could, I could verify that. Uh, he didn't have any catches, and he was badly overthrown on one, and, and, uh, um, and I think he might have been the target on the, the interception. Which is uh, hard to know if it was bad route running. Yeah, and or... so you don't know if it's bad route running or bad, you know, one of Stevens or Rice and John wasn't right uh, mm-hmm. because Stevens threw it into an area where nobody was. Um, but I think when you look at those two guys – uh, when you look at Rice and John, he's the most intriguing target in that Stampeders offense for me, um, and the guy that could make the biggest impact um, from a from a noticeable standpoint. I mean, there's other guys that will make an impact. You know, you got Micah Awe at middle, or or those kind of guys. But but the guy that touchdowns are sexy um, when you when you're talking about flashy plays that that fans love, and I think uh, the sexiest possibility in that. Offense is Rice and John. We have another graphic up here. What's good is that um, today, I believe, is the day where they're taking the mug shots for all the guys. So oh. um, none of the rookies have have their photos up. Um, oh, it, so we just have a blank. You have a, a gray a gray profile photo like of Rice and John. Of a silhouette of a face. Um, but that is that. Um, last thing on the game, I will say, I, I know I didn't really talk about it much. Um, I certainly noticed that there was no pizza at in the press box. Um it was something that I now, think all of us were like curious what was going on. When you say didn't talk about it much, do you just mean publicly? Because it was the only thing you said from about <laughs> five minutes left in the second till the end of the fourth quarter yeah. was that like, you couldn't believe there wasn't pizza. I, um, uh, you might have stopped I when have, someone bought you a hot dog. Todd Zillhoff <laughs> bought me a hot dog. Um, I had to go buy the hot dog. Yeah, you had to go um, get it yourself. And but then, Todd paid for it. To be fair, he sent he gave me $20 and they no longer take... Cash, cash at McMahon, right? so I actually paid for it. He did then subsequently give me fifteen dollars. Yes, so he paid for it. Um, but no pizza in the press box. I just want to like, in case anyone's listening, make note of that. It's just something that for seven years we've had every game. Um, did you get popcorn pregame? I did not get popcorn pregame. Uh, I thought I had expected that there would still be popcorn close to kickoff. That was my mistake. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure. I think. I mean, I, I feel bad about it because I'm look, the reason that there's popcorn in the press box. Well, yeah, the, the I Danny Austin Memorial yeah, prep. I complained about popcorn it for three stand. years until Max Campbell couldn't take it anymore and got popcorn in there. Yeah, now, I don't know if... I want an ice cream bar next. If anybody... There's not room in there. Like, I, you and I have both traveled to other Sportsnet stadiums. Sportsnet is not going to have two people in you, you and I, You and I have often traveled to other stadiums, although I know you can't anymore. Um, I know you, you've traveled to other stadiums. Um, the meals that they give... 
Like the meal isn't bad downstairs, but there's press box options. It's not just pizza in the press box at uh, halftime. Just eat downstairs. It's not bad. Um, and it would be, I mean, I look, I ate downstairs. I had the chicken kebabs uh, and they were fine. They were good. Oh, they were good. The roast potatoes were good. The, the zucchini was good. But you're right. The, the idea that there's not enough popcorn. I think people now know that the popcorn's there and it's not just press box that comes and gets it. I think that popcorn is absorbed within coaching staffs, within scouting staffs, um, because you were the only person I saw that was a member of the press that was eating popcorn. And there, there certainly wasn't just one bag of popcorn that was, we're, was we're going to have some conversations with yeah. St. Peter's staff. Um, <laughs> we are, we're probably about 15 seconds away from ah, maybe longer than that. I don't know how many seconds we're going to let her set up our computer. But Kami Kepke has arrived. Um, Oliver Shillington uh, dumped the popcorn on me in the Flames press box once by accident. You can relay that. I don't think my mic's on. No, we can sort of hear you. We can hear you a little bit, I think. Uh, I can hear you. rigged the door to fall on me. And okay. Oliver Shillington um, story. We got we to stick with, 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 with good podcasting here. Um, Ryan, oh. out, because we are running out of, of, of uh, time a little bit. Breaking news. What's up? Stampeders have signed uh, Jordan Hardman Reed. Okay. <laughs> Canadian middle linebacker. Cool. That is interesting. Uh, um, 69 career regular season games. Um, so interesting that uh, after seeing what Mike Alway did and Silas Stewart, uh, Herdman Reed coming to the Stampeders. There's no way they're doing today. two Canadians at middle linebacker. That has to be his backup to, um, to Cam Judge, right? I mean, he could be a backup to Cam Judge. Um, it, it just it'll be it'll be interesting to watch over the next two weeks. Yeah. Uh, if we can bring Cammy in, that would be pretty awesome. Are you hey, ready, Cammy? I'm here. Cammy has made Hi, it. Cammy, it has been an adventure getting you here. Tell me what is going this is on. Horrible. I uh, just got back from a bachelorette weekend in Metropolitan Scottsdale. Okay. Oh. But because of the WestJet nonsense, my flight was at uh, 9 a.m. that Friday morning. So about 11:30 the night before, flight gets canceled. There's no more flights in Canada that can get me to Phoenix, like, in the next 48 hours. So, naturally, um, at 1 in the morning, I drove to my hometown of Creston, B.C., got in a car with some other ladies, drove to Washington, and got a flight there. But, of course, like, uh, I mean, it meant that I was originally supposed to just fly back home here. Yeah. but had I to couldn't make heads or tails about what... When you were explaining to me your predicament yesterday, I didn't realize any of this. So I was yeah, deeply no. So confused. I was uh, in Washington like this morning, like Seattle or Spokane. Uh, Spokane. 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 Yeah. Goes eggs. Wow. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I brought you actually. Yeah. So uh, we, bachelorettes need a theme night, of course. By the way, congratulations, Danielle and Brendan. Shout out, Danielle. And oh, Brendan. love is real. Congratulations. Love is real. He's a he looks like discount Ryan Gosling. So good for her. Um, but uh, our first like you know the first night you have all the girls. There's eleven girls. We look cute. By the end of the night, three girls got tattoos, and our final theme was um, dress as your type of man. So I brought my shoe for you guys, my fish flop. Oh, that's... Uh... <laughs> I blacked out a tooth, and I wore my fish flops, and I don't even want to tell you how many people drank out of this thing. It's disgusting. It no, is. Just to, just to be clear, <laughs> your type of man is the type of man that would wear that shoe. Uh. Yes, I, I feel yeah. like there are a He's lot like of a mid-level fishing influencer who is like weirdly friends with Blair Turnbull. Okay, and her uh, fiance. I don't think they're married yet. Ryan Ryan Summer, who uh, was an Olympic yeah. bobsledder, and they're really into fly. Where fishing. Where do you get a fish flop? 
my dad got this for me. I think he just thought I'd like it. That's amazing. <laughs> so I we have matching pairs and I'm just like, yeah, I'll wear fish flops out on I the town. I love that. And you are, you are still standing after your bachelorette. Well, weekend. I didn't get a tattoo, so. Good. By the I way, mean, one of the girls who got a medical, success. who got a tattoo is giving someone medical advice today. Think about that next time you're in the ER. <laughs> this person trying to save your life could well be the person who gets who? a Twilight themed tattoo. Oh no. A Twilight themed tattoo yeah. to boot. Yeah. In Scottsdale, our medical yeah. professionals Scott deserve our respect. That's where my uh, that's <laughs> um, where my job's head office is. Very, I'm headed down there in two weeks. Also, Scottsdale I tried to stuff. ask people about the coyote situation because I wanted to know how people there actually felt. Like I don't, I know I some people that are coyote season ticket do, holders. I didn't think I'd ever willingly do streeters again in my life, and I was just hunting people down to see what they thought. And I shit you not, I ran into more Columbus Blue Jackets fans. In Scottsdale than I did coyotes. Yeah, fans. more often the, the question is, who's the coyotes? Yeah, and we met another bride who was uh, like telling me about the time that Rick Nash came to her class when she was in grade seven, and she still loves Rick Nash to this day. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I tried to go to a game the last time I was down there, and tickets were unreasonably expensive for the Phoenix Coyotes. Um, were they Phoenix I, then or were they Arizona? Or, well, I mean, Arizona, whatever they are. The, the, no, but like, I feel like the Melon Arena Coyotes. I feel like they were like a little like higher class when they were the Phoenix Coyotes in Arizona just marked a new era of despair. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But I think I think even on the late like the late last minute game sites, they wanted like eighty five dollars for the ticket for the game I wanted to go to. The game three days later, there were four dollar tickets available. Um, but I wasn't going to be in, in Arizona at that time. But there were four dollar tickets available for a Saturday night game. The Wednesday night game, they wanted eighty five bucks which I thought was unreasonably expensive to watch the Coyotes play hockey. Crazy. Speaking of the Stampeders. No, I am going to, <laughs> to move back. I am assuming you did not spend a ton of time paying attention to Calgary sports while you were there. I was dying because our, I didn't get a roaming plan on my phone. Thought it'd be nice to be away from the old, old cellular device for a few days. Oh. And the Wi-Fi was awful at our Airbnb, and I was actually like in tears trying to get through all the Conroy stuff. Because I'm like, I just need to know. A week I ago, a week ago, we sat here and spoke about what an exciting weekend it was for Calgary sports. I've listened and to then, about eight <laughs> hours worth of podcasts in the, the last twenty-four yeah. hours to try to catch up. The Roughnecks yeah. are now done. Yeah. Uh, the Wranglers are now done. Um, Calvary did win. Um, had one of the worst days of my professional life covering the Stampeders on Monday I didn't hear about that. Uh, <laughs> because he was yeah. tired. Um, we have uh, more soccer stuff coming up, though. Uh, of course, we have a women's pro league coming up in a few years here. There's going to be one team situated in Calgary uh, under the Foothills umbrella, but I know they are, they're dropping some news tomorrow. So we're going to have a bit of an update okay. on pro women's soccer yeah. coming That's along good. as well. That is very good to know. I know that the Calgary Surge um, yesterday morning, I mean, impeccable timing, um, unveiled a whole bunch of news that I haven't read because it's been obviously incredibly busy with the Craig Conroy stuff, which I want to wait with you a couple more minutes because we do have Julian McKenzie who's going to be joining us. And oh, I don't, um, and I don't, but um, yeah, I, it was, it was a busy weekend that didn't, that didn't go great. I would say for, I was also for, traveling with a Dallas stars fan who is understandably quite devastated about their current how state about of affairs. Jamie ben? What was he, did what was he, he thinking? And then his excuse was that he fell and his stick hit the guy on the, like, come on, yeah. bud. Come on. Yeah. That, that's I mean, brutal. And, and and I said today, I just feel like he just needs to be suspended for the rest of the series. He needs a timeout. Yeah, you're you're suspended you for the rest call of the it a series. Penalty at that point, it's like so, it was so childish. It's like, no, you need to 
You need to time you need out. To, you need to go. I don't yeah. mind one game, to be honest. Like I mean, one game probably is the rest of the series, the way they've been playing, True. but... I think I think at this point you just say he's out for the rest of the series, whether that's one game, four games, whatever. If they make it to the down, next round, sure took his team down we know the NHL yeah. won't do that though. Like it'll be no, of course not. It will be one. They're game. not that NHL yeah. the NHL's one, not it, that smart when no. it comes to player safety and suspensions. No, it's just it's it's so stupid. But he just outright used his stick as a weapon. Yeah. Like that's that's With as a you know, opponent. A yeah, it's opponent. a guy that's already already on the ground, and you you take him. You take his stick to to his head. That's that's gotta. Be, you've got to send a message beyond just the viability of that playoff game. If you don't, then I think you're you're sending the wrong message to the kids watching the game. That's all over TikTok that hit. And if you don't suspend it, if you don't show that that's a problem, then you're really hurting yourself and hurting the future of the game. Do you guys just want to do like five minutes on TikTok and I'll. Okay. <laughs> Look, I don't have TikTok either. Okay. But when I when we got in the car after my kids lacrosse game last night, uh, congrats to the Axman on thumping the Strathmore Venom by a ten one score. Uh, we we got into the car. We were driving away, and that was most of his TikTok feed as he's watching his phone beside me. He's like, "Dad, you need to see this hit." And he's like, "That's crazy." And then scrolling, scrolling, it's most of the hockey related content on his feed was that hit. So if you don't suspend that hit, if you don't come out and, and kind of lay the law down, then you're just effectively telling kids that that's okay. Um, and I don't think that that's where the NHL wants to be. Oh, well, we have some precedent even in these playoffs with the Petrangelo stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Round one against Edmonton. Yeah, oh, and me. that was still only one yeah, game, just, right? Yeah, just the one. Cammy, the Edmonton series. if you're a Flames fan, which I know both of us are are transplants here, so we're not going to say. But like, I mean, if, if like, you are I, a Flames fan, I do you remember the media here? It's like not being a fan, but it's like I would love to cover playoffs. I would love to cover yes. a deep playoff run. They're very. If you things, were though. though a Flames fan, and this <laughs> is a question Ryan and I sort of debated a little bit earlier, do you want Matthew Kachuk winning the cup or not? Yeah. So do I. That's my feeling, but I'm not hundred percent no. Loyal servant know, did will. the right thing. He didn't ask screw to him leave. Over. Yeah. He has three game-winning goals. Yeah. Like, he, it's been nuts. Like, sure, it's definitely uh, shades of what could have been here. He broke up with the local team. He requested a trade. He said, I need to go and not be in this relationship any further. I'm not rooting for my ex in any way, shape, or form. And see, that is a situation where, again, Ryan has been married. See, I'm, I'm so a yeah. fan. Has you, been, the still healthy is. thing to do after a breakup is. is to go back and evaluate <laughs> how you could have been better as a partner and, and, and you know, do some work on yourself. So why haven't you done that yet? I right. do that every day. <laughs> I'm kidding, every Andy, day I'm sorry. I wake up. I, every day. Just, <laughs> we're not just going a random slap on Danny. Now it feels like the press box on Monday. Uh, that was like, okay, I feel like what I just said to you, Danny, since we're talking about using sticks as weapons, does anyone remember when Keith Ballard uh, lost his man in a game against, I think it was the Thrashers, and uh, Keith Ballard went to take his stick, and he, he tried to chop the goalpost in frustration, but he hit his goalie. I'm pretty sure it was Thomas Vokun in the face. I feel like that's what I just did to you, Danny, and I'm sorry for <laughs> I'm sorry for assaulting my teammate. <laughs> friendly, friendly with my, fire. Yeah, with my friend, metaphorical friend. stick. Some, some I will bring it up with my therapist it. as I do the work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but again, like I, you, it's 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 still pretty fresh. Like you don't want to see. You're not going to your ex's wedding six months after no, you dated. She is blocked on all social media. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I don't I don't need to see Matthew Kachuk be successful. That's just he's a reminder been successful. of You've, it's already happened. I, I know. I don't have to be happy about it because I at this point like 
yes, you're successful and, and good for you, but you still forced your way off of my favorite team where you could have been doing this for my favorite team. in the best possible And maybe, way. just maybe, the, I, I, I don't think he did. It, the media request was public. It was public that he asked for a trade before the trade was executed. That the Brad was able to get what he got for him is, is the salve that bombs that wound a little bit, but not enough to still be okay. Like, oh yeah, hey, thanks for leaving. Thanks for forcing your way out and enjoy that Stanley Cup run, pal. No, Flames fans, I, I don't need to be okay with Matthew Kachuk. But I think for a lot of people, their hate for teams that Matthew Kachuk has now eliminated sure. outweighs that Yes. Sting. No, yeah, great. Get to the finals. You can't win. You can bury the Leafs on the see, way. Okay, so what are your you other options then? You'd rather, the see, you'd rather, rather see, see Dallas. Win. I'd rather see You'd Vegas rather win. see Vegas win? Yes, 100%. Absolutely not. 100%. Absolutely not. They don't know pain. Like Seattle, I would have been fine with Seattle going because like, all right, you missed that one year. And then you just got, even got like upgrading to average goaltending carried you. And they have a lot of really cool underdog type story players. And I did feel that way about Vegas in their first year when they went to the cup final. Things like Jonathan Marcheseau was great in that. James Neal was great in that. And Fleury was great in that. But now like they haven't had the, the suffering for me to uh, get on board. Also outweighing like any of my feelings towards the players because there are actually like some players I really like on that team. It's their social media that makes me hate Vegas. It was like a little too sassy right from the get-go. And it's like, especially like my pet peeve is when uh, team social media gets sad because the other team scored and they throw grammar and capitalization and punctuation out the window. You know? I, guys, it's I like don't all caps. It's, no, it's, a, it's a aggravating I, I don't think me. any team social media other than the Stampeders um, is good. <laughs> like I just flat out, I think all I, team social media. See, is and I, I like sassy social media. I want teams to be out there. I want teams to, to but it's too much, but generate, and that's fair. When generate it's too much, interest, it's too much. generate yeah. interest. And the NHL still suffers from, I mean, here we are talking about the CFL and, and interest in, in leagues. The NHL still suffers from a, an attention span deficit with the average sports fan as well outside of Canada. I mean, when you're looking at well, the health of the league in general, the idea that you're generating content, that you're generating conversation, that you're making people be aware of you on social media, I think is is incredibly valuable, even if it is a, a little sassy. There's a cruel like, irony. A little sassy is good, but I just think it's too much. I will say that there is, before we move on, there is a cruel irony to the fact that the Florida Panthers are finally probably going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the Miami Heat just happened to be going to the mm. NBA Finals. It is the yes. worst possible luck for the Panthers in terms of gaining attention in sort of the wider Miami. But I have seen Fort a couple Lauderdale rats market. hitting the ice, and I'm here for um, that. I've seen a couple I mean, rats it, it, hitting the ice, and I'm, ice. I'm old enough to remember when the rats were a thing and why that became a penalty in the NHL for a while. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, at least there's some old-school Florida fans that started bringing their plastic rats back to games. What would you like to see Flames fans throw on the ice? <sighs> Stanley Cup Finals tickets? <laughs> we will get into that we need to say goodbye to ryan so oh, ryan uh, well, julian is court currently parking um oh yeah it's not good out there no i i ended up parking a couple blocks away and walking i know um, i might actually get my steps in today last week of that. cammy parked right in front of the studio this is the first time deal. i've not gotten right out in front um, i thought you guys were crazy for a um while. parking in wider loop is a bit of a mess right now because there is construction um all over the place ryan in Honestly, okay. 60, 90 seconds. Okay. Tell me straight up, why are the Stampeders going to be better than the Bombers this year? Before I let you go. And uh, say bye. 
the bombers are getting older um, and that core uh, is starting to fray at the edges. Um, I don't expect their offensive line to be as good as they needed to be. Caleros may be as good as he was, but he won't have the time that he's had in seasons past, which is why the Stampeders will win the West Division. Um, whether or not they win the Grey Cup is uh, certainly up in the air. But for now, I expect the Stampeders to win the West Division with a record of 14-4 and four or better. Ryan, it has been a delight. Thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure, I really man. appreciate you. Happy to come back um, anytime. We'll have you back, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> right. um, we've got Julian here, but we are, here we go, Ad Reads, live in the Oodle Noodle studio, Lo- local, loved, delicious. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest and in Airdrie at 105 Main Street North. So... Yeah, we are live in the Oodle Noodle studio, and we've got Julian McKenzie here. I am very hyped. We're going to bring you in, um, I assume, any second now, but when we do that, I have to do another ad read because guests are brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard. They opened their doors in Calgary back in 1946, which means they have been here for 76 years in Calgary uh, for the summer. Please visit them at their McLeod Trail location by Chinook Center. And, of course, they are expert when it comes to skis and snowboards. But they are so much more. Ask them about snow skating. Check out their clothing and warm weather gear, too. I'm getting good at these ad rates, guys, don't you think? Julian, There's only a are- slight tinge of fear in your voice. I, you know, look. I'm a but like, professional. I, I mean, honestly, like I'm looking at the ski seller snowboard stuff. Uh, like their camping chairs are next level. Pulls staple foldable chairs, sturdy steel frame. Um, you got a cup holder in there, material. but no, like this we got is... some mesh venting. Like I'm very picky actually about uh about camping chairs. We camp a lot and don't like a don't like a bad one. And these look right up my alley and unique enough that your friends can't steal them. Like you'll know if someone's trying to make off with your camping chair. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not very discerning when it comes to camping chairs. Um, I'll take a blanket. Julian McKenzie, how are you, buddy? Doing good. I, I, uh, I have to say I'm not a camping person. No, I'm not. We're like, going to get you hiking. We're going to hiking, hiking is cool. Here's, here's what I think about camping. And I realize I'm going to alienate a lot of people out West here, but I'm cool with being out in nature and the hikes and seeing animals and being around the flora and the fauna. I'm cool with that. The minute we have to start sleeping in tents and having the mosquitoes biting you around, that's where you lose me. Like we can do all of that fun stuff that comes with camping and you could go to a chalet or a cottage that has indoor plumbing at the end of the night. Like what's what's wrong with that? Oh, you lost me at cottage. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Cottage, <laughs> chalet, like I, I say chalet or you go to fight, you get an Airbnb you up north somewhere and you like I'm with right you. For, for the record, I mean, that is you being Western Canadian, I assume, and not liking the word cottage. No, it's just, it's too easy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's too easy. All right. Well, clearly, of all three of us here, if, if one person's going to kill an animal like, for food, it's her. If you haven't woken up in the middle of Saskatchewan on Crown Land with a cow at the door of your tent and like an alarming amount of ticks on the outside netting, you're not doing it right. Yeah, but like, here's my thing. Why do I need to do that? It's what, fun. what do I need to prove to anybody that I can do that? Like, I don't, I don't, I feel comfortable enough in myself that I don't need to prove to anybody. If Julian that, was the main character in Hatchet, he would not have survived. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you haven't read Hatchet? No. What did you do in grade seven? Um, go through awkwardness, puberty. We have big sports things to talk yeah, about, guys. Yeah, we should. I need to bring us back. <laughs> um, let's start with, honestly, probably the biggest story of the week. Julian. <laughs> It is the fourth inning of our slow pitch game. <laughs> there is. I am playing. How many short, times have you heard about this, Kevin? I am playing. <laughs> I am playing shortstop, but I have you moved probably heard over. About this enough. You told her this enough. I have huh? not actually told her the story. Oh I'm my just curious. God. I need you to describe what happens. I am. I have sort of shifted to, to sort of behind second base. I'm sort of just in the outfield. I wasn't worried about a ground ball going through, and there's a blooper. Tell the people what happened. I'm so mad you're making me do this. This ball is up in the air. I love being the host. He is chasing this down, and it's the ball is it's almost about to go over his head. And he does the little bread basket catch as he's sliding to the ground and actually makes a nice snag. It's, it was actually a pretty up, nice snag. And I kid you not, Willie Mays was waving down to me from the heavens. Okay, you don't need to go that Applauding. far. It was don't the, bring Willie Mays into this. Hey, I, like, it's not Willie Mays. <laughs> it was honestly, it was a highlight of the season. Um, By the way, we were losing at that uh, we point. We got crushed. We got crushed. It was a bad game. It was a bad game. And it was raining and we forced them to play despite they were up 20 runs on us. And we forced them to play the last inning. At which point they mercied us and we went three up, three down. It was the most pointless inning that's ever been played. But I made a really sick catch. Julian, what's Danny your- thought he was uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, but I- he was actually Smalls. <laughs> Dude, this is honestly though, like I like I, we're gonna stop talking about it, but like it was legitimately sick. Um the other team, the other team like <laughs> applauded me. Um <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, oh wow, Jeff Hamilton just congratulated him on my ad reads. Uh what up, Jeff? We got Shout Dylan. out to you with the ad reads, but also have you ever had to do a manscaped ad read? No, but you I don't feel know like anything I could about do ad reads. It. Don't worry about that. Um no, I to be honest, like I prior to last week had never done an ad read. Oh really? Um, um Anyways, we're getting great interaction. We got Solemn Valjean. It's basically just media people and then Cammy's man uh, Hi, chiming in. Hi, but, Dylan. But he got hit by a truck today. What? Or his truck got hit by a truck. What? Yeah. Uh, is yeah. he okay? Yeah. I mean, relatively speaking? Yeah. He's here. 
Uh, <laughs> Wait, uh, he's in the studio? No, no like well, he's, he's, in, the, he's, he's in the chat room. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's functioning. Yeah, um, I mean, so his hope- thumbs work. Okay, all right. Uh, sorry yeah. about what happened. On that, uh, I mean, uh, I actually don't really know what happened. I still need to, I haven't seen him in like a week or probably more, but. Who's this Craig Conroy fellow I've heard so much about? Yeah, I don't know. We should talk about it. What do you think was the, what was your number one takeaway that made you feel like, okay, I understand the direction that Craig is going that from yesterday? Um, I just kind of like the energy and vibrance. If I guess that's really a thing that matters that he kind of brought to that press conference, but also the fact that he was pretty direct about a few things. He said, you know what, maybe we're not going to, full-on change pieces of the core and it seems like he's intending on competing for a playoff spot but the fact that he wants to see more youth in the lineup uh, I think for a lot of people in this market that is a refreshing breath air uh, I, wow breath I'm, of fresh air wow just English okay breath the of fresh air smoke is still in his brain yeah seriously I it's mean, the catch is still in his brain he can't yeah. stop thinking oh about my it. god it's um. been a long day people but all that to say um, I think uh, in terms of the vision that Craig Conroy kind of laid out for everybody it seemed like he was saying the right things so and I, yeah I think a lot of people were, were happy about that I don't not not interrupt but I mean, he did say he thinks they can compete yes with the caveat that they will not go into this, he said they can compete as currently built, but seven UFAs going into the ne- next season is there's going to be many. changes. And I mean, I, I felt like the implication there was he was like, if we can't sign these guys, we're trading them, right? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the, and, and that goes that, that goes for all of them. Now, he very specifically said Lindholm. He's he said he knew what was going on there, which I, for me, I mean, I'm not trying to put words into his mouth, but I do think there have been changes with the coaching, changes with a lot. Possibly Lindholm has changed his tune a little uh, bit. I, I think you can, I think this was a press conference where you could read between the lines because that moment and when he was asked about what he wants in a head coach and the first thing he brings up is having someone who's, you know, on the same page and not being at odds. I don't know about you. That is pretty much a clap back at the previous regime, which Brad Living and Daryl Sutter at different points were not on the same page. It could well, not think- have been more clear though. Like yes. he literally, like it, it was very much he spelled the that out for one everybody. most important thing is he was like, we are not at odds. Sometimes we're not going to agree, but we are working together. Yes. And given everything that we have sort of, that's been rumored that's about what happened with Sutter and tree living. I think that that was as clear as day, what he was saying. Um, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the head coaching options, but I, I sort of want to stay on, the, on this track a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also think that he, I mean, look, whether it's to Foley, whether it's Lindholm, whether it's Tanev Hannafin, any one of those guys, my impression was that if they're not signed by the start of the regular season, he's dealing them. He's dealing them. And there's like, no reason why they can't get assets postseason ready assets, like players who could help you, you know, still like take a run. And like honestly, the Flames are gonna bounce back. I think they're gonna make the they're gonna make the playoffs. This well, it season. depends if those seven guys, if you have to trade, like if you're trading Lynn Home, trading but I think, like, the thing that, that I took away from Conroy's press conference, obviously, like, there's really rose-colored glasses at the start of a new era like this. The the fan reaction is really overwhelmingly positive. You cannot mistake Conroy's gregarious nature for weakness. So as great as he is at telling stories, as comfortable as he makes people feel around him, he's going to be a straight shooter. And I do think that players and other people around the league will enjoy working with that. And it looks like genuinely like I mean he was obviously a guy who was captain material as a player it looks like he's just building 
or preparing to build kind of a team of his own. He's willing to split the workload and say, I'll be on the road for these things, but there's times where uh, Dave Nones or uh, Brad Pascal, someone else will have to step in and take a look at these people. So it's really, uh, and uh, the other thing you said, like, we need a captain. This is Conroy saying, like, we have a leadership group, but I got the C. Ultimately, here's the final say. So I do think that, like, it's going to bring a very different atmosphere, but he'll he'll be playing it hard and straight. He said that he would be more collaborative than tree living was. And I actually don't think that was meant as a criticism. He no. just said there are different leadership styles. Absolutely. His is more collaborative. Tree liked to do things on his own a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it legitimately, like, there was, I didn't sense any negativity in what he was saying about Brad. Um, but I, I also, like, I, I genuinely don't think that Craig Conroy was as committed to this team making the playoffs next year. I think he he repeated, as built, we can make the playoffs. But he also very much was saying, we're not going to be the same team in four months as we are right now. You also said with Lindholm is a guy you build around, right? And I wonder, like, I think Lindholm is the biggest domino of all the pending UFAs. Like, if Tyler Toffoli, look, I think he's a great player. If he says he, you know what, I'm going to take my, take my talent somewhere else, uh, you 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 trade him at the max value. That's a different story. Elias Lindholm is your number one center. If you trade away Elias Lindholm, you have to consider the direction of your team. Is but, he is he your best asset as a whole? I think Top so. I think so. Yeah. Like I. In terms of the return you get, absolutely. How many that other pieces? Yeah. How many other of the UFAs can you look at and think? If you're the Flames, do we have a shot at getting a first round pick in this year's draft for him? I think Elias Lindholm is the best possible asset for that. I still think uh, I had a mailbag uh, for the athletic drop today and I was asked, you know, is there a possibility that the the Flames could possibly get a first round pick that's higher than what they have right now for Elias Lindholm? I would still be very stunned if a team in the top 10 felt they were an Elias Lindholm away to trade out of what's supposed to be a stacked top heavy class uh, to make that happen. So even if Elias would commit to that team long term, but if you find yourself in a position where you can, you know, get a first round pick, even if it's from like a St. Louis or a Nashville who has who have multiple first round picks, like I think it's something you 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 definitely take it, into account. But also, if you're if you're intending on competing, how what's the contingency so plan? It could be like I mean, where's Ottawa drafting? Um, I don't. I think they're like top that, ten. A team like that potentially that is on the rise but not hasn't quite broken out yet mm-hmm. i can see them potentially being but even then i mean you're giving up a top 10 pick seriously for a guy in his late 20s yeah like, even if his even if his contract's good like i think you're more looking at a first round pick for for next season that you might be able to get which is okay but i mean or or because conroy was optimistic right? absolutely i he, think so he did not say we got to talk and then i'll make a decision on what to do he said i believe he wants to be a calgary flame i've got to talk to him if you're the Flames and one of those teams, say from like 25 to the end, are have the first round pick and they're like, hey, we could start a deal there. And you still get a first round pick even if it's lower. Is that worth it? This draft class is supposed to be stacked. Sometimes you have two first round picks then that you're bringing into the organization. If you're, if you're getting nothing in return, like if the alternative is that he's going to walk next year, and you have to consider it. You have to consider it. Um, I mean, it's a first-line center. It's an elite two-way center. I think I want more than that. You absolutely could should ask for more than that. I think yeah. a first-round pick could be a starting point, a prospect. I would love a roster player in that deal, too. I think you should... 
I'm not saying you should ask for the heaven and moon and stars for Elias Lindholm, but if you are at that point, and especially if you may still want to compete with the roster that you have, like you kind of look at the framework that was done for Kachuk, and I'm not saying you're getting the same return, but like I, I think something in that vein. You need players in return who are going to help you at least compete for next season. That's what I think you're doing if you're if you're looking at the roster and you're saying, okay, we want to compete. If you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, Lindholm wants to leave and a few other guys in that UFA pile want to leave, then you're starting to say, okay, more draft picks, more more draft capital. Like I, I think you're looking well, at it that way. And I mean, I think that if you look at that list of guys, I mean, I, I, I don't think given his injury history like Chris Tanev you're not signing for more than one year at a time going forward right maybe two years like he's he's probably going to be a guy I, I love Chris Tanev as a player I yeah I love what he brings to the organization I think he's you know a perfect second pairing guy but he misses a lot of games so there's no way he is getting signed long term so I'm not sure what sort of value he has on the trade market before I think at the trade deadline if you're six points out of a playoff spot, there are going to be teams that want to bring in Chris Tanev. Yeah. But I'm not sure he's a guy this offseason you're necessarily getting a ton for. Am I am I right about that? Am I wrong about no, that? No, I, I can understand that. He's, I don't think you're you're getting the same amount of attention for Chris Tanev compared to a Lindholm, uh, a Tyler Toffoli if it gets to that point, uh, a Noah Hannafin especially. I think regardless of what... I think you can fleece some of Hannafin. I think regardless of whether or not he wants to come back, and I think he was one of those players who kind of made it not necessarily clear, but I think he was more open to coming back compared to a Lindholm or a Backlund. I think you look at him as a trade candidate regardless because, look, the Flames are very close to the salary gap limit, and you, I think they're going to need to alleviate some salary. And I think you look at a guy like Noah Hannafin who's due for a raise next summer, and you think, okay, what are our options here? Are we able to get uh, a cheaper piece back that could help our team? I, I think he's someone you look at. And he, I mean, going back to Chris Tanev, it also depends, like, when you're looking at a trade, what is a team hoping they get out of a player like that? Because for me, one of the, the greatest things that Chris Tanev has brought to this team is bringing along defensemen who maybe weren't so sound. Noah Hannafin was, like, I think a lot of fans were pretty ready to give up on him before he got put on a, panning, uh, on a pairing with Chris Tanev. And his game changed a lot. You can say the same for Oliver Shillington. And now, uh, since then, we've seen Hannafin be able to find more success playing with other defensive partners. So I think Chris Tanner brings a lot of value that way if you maybe have some younger D-men that you're hoping can or a D-men who just needs a little more shoring up to have a kind of partner like that who is such a great teacher of the game. And I'm sure that what Tanner would say is, if you're dealing me, deal me to a contender, right? Yep. Like, be the, there's yeah, one year left on my contract. Like, But I, I fully agree that I actually think, like, I mean, that's why he's, that may be his greatest value to the Stampede or the Flames. I apologize. Doing both. Is, You're is in the lot, CFL right? brain, man. Man, <laughs> I'm going back and forth day to day. It's it's uh, it's crazy. But yeah, no, I, I actually do agree with you. I just, I, I have a feeling Tanov wouldn't be super enthusiastic mm -hmm. about getting dealt to a team that's that's sort of rebuilding at this point, right? So it's interesting. I mean. But you can't make yeah, everyone happy. No, that and it's not their responsibility to make nope. everyone happy. You're 100% right. Um. And then Toffoli, I sort of agree with you. I mean, I don't know what you get for Toffoli. He's clearly a really good hockey player. Yeah, he's he's going to score goals for you. He's coming off a career season. Yeah. Like, if, you, if if he were to be like, you know what, man, I want to go play on a contending team, like, you're training him at max value. Like, I, sure. absolutely. And, and you could possibly do that. I also wonder, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about Elias Lindholm and, and the talk of captaincies coming up and people are saying like, hey, man, you know, you re-signed Michael Backlund to give him the C. Do you do that? Maybe this is an unpopular I'm take. I'm just curious. When did the tide turn on that opinion? Because it felt like for so much of the past season, people were screaming 
for it to be back. And now all of a sudden it's like Rasmus Anderson all day, every day. And I heard well, Andrew Mangiapane's name thrown out there. Yeah, like, if, I you're heard, going, if you're going to Mangiapane, why are you not talking Coleman? Yeah, I was surprised to hear Andrew Mangiapane's name. Blake Coleman, I think, was someone I would think would be a little bit more above Mangiapane, not no disrespect to him, he's a hell of a player, mm-hmm. but I think Majapani can, you know, give him a little bit more time. Maybe you give him an A before you think about giving him a C. But my thing with Michael Backlund is this. He's not getting any younger. I think he wants to play on a contending team. He's coming off like a really great season. I don't know if it's going to get any better for Michael Backlund. And I understand that he has played 900 plus games for this organization. And he means so much to the city and, and the work that he's done in the community. Uh, he's, he's the team's nominee for the King Clancy Award. Like he, he, he is a guy who, I, I gave him a Selkie vote this year. This was, this was a really good year for Michael Backlund. But I, I wonder, uh, just at the point that he's at right now in his career, do you move on? At the very least, so, considering where he's at him, in his career. I think he's also a player yeah. where I don't think fans held a lot of ill will against no. Jerome Ginlow when he said, I want a cup. They're like, go get it. Go get yep. it, Iggy. And Absolutely. I, I think people would feel the same way about Backlund. It's like, yeah, you know, you gave us your all. So go get one. We, we, we agree that Backlund should have been made captain the second Jordan. Absolutely. Right? Like, I, uh, and I think that Conroy has said that that was a, a mistake. So I think I, he should have been captain, he yes. Should be captain. The question of whether he should be captain now after he's publicly stated that he's not sure he can win a Stanley Cup here. And I'm not criticizing him for that. I no, I, I think he's, right. a, he's got every right to say that. But I yeah. think that's part of what made him captain material. A big part of that role is being the speaker for the players. That's probably why like a Chris Tanev and I think an Andrew Mangiapane might not be the world's greatest choice. Of because it's like those interviews aren't something they enjoy doing. I don't think they're going to be those guys. That's like fine if you're still like an A because that speaks to a different kind of leadership in the room. But that's where like a Backland and a Coleman who were voted like the Peter Mar good guys yeah. this year. Like and they because, are good guys. Because they're really effective communicators as well. And that's a big part of that role just in, with the way the NHL I don't. I don't mind Rasmus for... He's, for he'd also be good. He's got the, some piss and vinegar in him. And like, again, I think like, Mackenzie Weaker should be thrown in that category too. I know he's a newer guy. But it seems as if already he's gotten guys to kind of gravitate around him. Like one thing I remember from earlier this year is I think it was in the was that the Minnesota game or the Dallas game. It was like when when Jacob Barkstrom was starting to come back. I think it was in the Minnesota game, but there was that shot of Mackenzie Weger on the bench with the bucket like backwards. It was kind of like a funny like rally cap. It's kind of funny stuff like that that teammates kind of notice and kind of enjoy around him. Uh, I I don't know if he's necessarily captain material. I would put him as dark horse for that honor, but like. I, I think he I I think he could be in line for some kind of a next year, some kind of leadership role. I think, he, and I, I mean, I, I think it was, and I'm sort of segueing here a little bit, but I, I thought it was notable that Conroy brought up when Uyghur said they needed a new arena. Clearly, that like that resonated around the, the saddle. Absolutely, and their staff. even Zadorov said like he. <sighs> day that they made the announcement of the deal in principle, Uyghur was the main character in the group chat that day. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. It was, I mean, I don't think it's at all surprising that, you know, a, a guy at CSEC in that role was championing the importance of a new arena. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> a, that's a part of the job, but it, it did, it, I was very surprised because when Uyghur said that, we all sort of raised our eyebrows, but there were bigger issues to talk about. And clearly, I mean, that was a big deal within the flames, right? I mean, that, that it's not like we directly asked him, Hey man, can you like dump on the arena for us, please? Like he just, he brought that up. He made that a thing. And then days later, obviously the arena deal gets announced. So like he threw that out there into the ether. He volunteered it. He put that out there and we were all taken aback by that. Rightfully so. Yeah. 
But it's kind of funny because you go back to uh, summer when he first came here, the Flames put out that video of him uh, walking into the room for the first time to get his jersey, and they just got roasted, mm-hmm. roasted online for the state of the facilities. So I mean, yeah. It's kind of funny that he's the guy who, you know, like almost a year later. I mean, of course, like, no disrespect, but, like, you look at the home locker room for the Flames. I don't know how many people have seen that video or how many people realize the state of it. It's not, like, there are there are visitors' locker rooms that look better than the home locker room for the Flames. It's embarrassing. They the, actually, uh, the visitors they actually locker, updated it before. The that visitors' video. locker room at the Saddle Dome objectively looks better than the Flames' own room. I haven't been in the room past the Flames' room, though, right? Like, there's there's the room beyond it, which seems significant. Like, which direction? Like, yeah. towards security or towards the Ed Whalen room? Well, oh, just where they go after they, they take off their gear, and then there's a huge oh, room yeah. in the back, right? Which which is where they Fair, all actually yes. go. So yeah, I don't maybe know that, that looks fun. Maybe but that's in the fun. visitors' room, there's no one who sits. There's like there's one yeah. stall in the Flames room, and uh, there's a speaker in the way. So there's there everyone's picture, their headshot is above their stall. There's one where the the picture has to be on a different level because yep. there's a speaker and there's about. I know a foot of space between the edge of the stall, like the little bench there, and wall. Do you, do you remember when Matthew Coronado joined the team? And for like a good stretch of time, he like yeah, at the beginning when it was unveiled, he had a stall. But then after that, he his stuff was on like a moving like crate thing. Like I'm sorry, that's not. You're an NHL team. If that's what if that's what you're about, I think that's embarrassing. And I think if you're Mackenzie Weger and you're, you're those guys in the locker room and, you know, everything already is not ideal with how your season is going, and then you're looking at your locker room and that's what you have to play in, no wonder the environment wasn't all that great. Well, you know, and and Conroy on. said yesterday, because I do want to get back to some of what yes. he said, um, Conroy specifically said having the best arena in the league will make a difference in terms of Absolutely. attracting free agents and all of that. So that, that was good. Um, I want to just read you a Conroy quote, because it was the moment where I was like, I don't really know how to write a story about this, but I think it's significant. Offensively, I'd like to see us be more creative from the red line in. If you watch practice and see the amazing things these guys do nowadays, I want them to be creative. I want them to freewheel and do what they do. You know what? You're going to turn pucks over, and then you back check. And then from the red line back, I want structure. I think you have to have structure. People can't be indecisive in the D zone. They have to play with structure and purpose. First of all, feels like a direct shot of Daryl Sutter's entire style of play. Um, was that not just as someone who covers this team, who watch both of you guys, who watch this team, covers this team, is, is there all the time? That's exactly what you want to hear from the GM, right? That, that for me was... Because I found, like, especially creativity was a bit of an issue. I think we saw all, like, the overtime and the shootout losses is where we did start to see a lot of that come into play. But it was also what really spoke to me was, you mentioned it earlier, his quote about getting a little bit younger. Because I noticed particularly uh, one of the last games against the Anaheim Ducks, it was, like, the speed, the speed that the Ducks had for what they were this year, the speed was an issue for the Flames. And there were a couple of young teams where they were just, like, the kids were fast, they couldn't keep up, and with speed would bring some more room for creativity. Well, and I think that it's the combination of that, and it's also bringing out the best in your skilled players. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this year, look, I actually have a lot of respect for Jonathan Huberto and the way he took accountability and came out and took responsibility for his play. I mean, he never passed the buck. He was, I think all of us who interviewed him, you can't help but be impressed with him as a, as a human for the way he took responsibility. But the reality is, 
There was not a moment this season where he looked to me like a top 25 NHL player. There was one moment, and it came in preseason. Did it, eh? It was the play where he took the puck off the boards, made a spin move, brought the puck up ice, and then uh, Toffoli and Lindholm were at the finishing end of that play. That was in preseason. That was like how many months ago when we all saw that play, we all thought, okay, this is what we expected when Jonathan Huberto was acquired by the Calgary Flames. And since that play... We have not really seen any, to your point, you're right. We have not seen anything that would make him look like a top 25 player. Well, and then Kadri, I think his greatest, uh, his greatest play of the season came in the second game against Edmonton. In Edmonton. Yep. They broke Brett Kulak's ankles. It's kind of wild, but like there was that stretch of games being played at the beginning of the year where the Flames, they might not have been perfect, but they were getting wins over quality teams. And you thought, okay, well, they'll figure it out. And if they keep up these wins, they're going to be in good shape. And then after that Pittsburgh win, everything just went off the rails. So I think like when we're talking about bringing more uh, creativity into the system, we have to start talking about the coach. Yes. Should we maybe do, uh, Danny, I know you're very into the Bachelor franchise. Um, should we do this like You're a Bachelor style? fan? Oh yeah, I'm okay. Him and Hold solemn on. like themed columns around the Bachelor. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Bachelor fan too because like I've I, never seen a full episode. B- before we do it, really, shout out to the homie KQ uh, who's being great in the group chat. Uh, just want to very quickly do that. Yes, sir. Also, with the Bachelor, to be honest, Bachelor in Paradise is my jam. Mm. Bachelor and Bachelorette is just scouting for paradise. Uh, every, I'm the opposite. Every, I can't get behind Bachelor in Paradise. I'm all about watching Bachelor Bachelor. I watch it with my homie Brett. Lead Shout out the Brett. Baby Boys or the Beta Boys, June 2nd, album release party at Commonwealth. Check it out. Going to yes, be the party of the summer. You're out here but plugging, man. I got to. It's my boy. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, so yes, present to me this this Bachelor game that we are going to play. Do you, have, do you give Kirk Muller a rose? Are we saying as head coach? Um, <sighs> I'd say, okay, we'll say like, say we got three positions. We got three positions here. We'll say, we'll talk about uh, head coach. Two associate coaches, just to keep it simple for now. Okay. All right. But uh, we're talking about uh, first impressions, just rose to go to the next round and maybe talk about it a little more deeply. Do you give Kirk Muller a rose? As an assistant coach? I will say, like, yes, presumably. I, I have a lot of time for Kirk Muller. Now, he was responsible for the power play this year. I, I do think that the power play is something that I would like to see improve for the for the Flames. Like, the hard part about this about this whole project, but I want to keep going with it, I'm not saying that, is that, like, ultimately you're gonna, the head coach is going to pick a staff. So it's sort of like you got to start with who do we think is head coach. But Muller, yeah, I'd like to see Muller. I'm not going to say we should fire anyone. That's my problem. <laughs> I think with Kirk Muller, like, it's – I feel like at this point it's got to be head coach or bust, right? Unless the person you're bringing in from the outside is like Peter Laviolette or Gerard Gallant. Like, would Kirk Muller want to be an assistant for Ryan Huska, Mitch Love? I have questions about that. Also, if you look at some of the other vacancies that are out there, I know Mike Babcock's getting uh, looks in Columbus, but does Columbus, if they realize, eh, no thanks with Mike Babcock, do they look at a Mitch Love? Do they look at Kirk Muller? Kirk Muller's the only man on that staff right now with Calgary who has head coaching experience in the NHL. Like, I don't, I mean, say what you want about how we handle the power play. I, I, I'm with you. I think that really needs a change. But I think for a guy like Kirk Muller, if he were to put himself out there as a free agent, I think someone would take a look at him. I don't necessarily, not necessarily saying he would be guaranteed to get a head coaching job, but. He'd get interviews. He'd get interviews. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. 
Do I, I give him a rose? Again, I with the premise of the rose being like on to the next round of interviews. Okay, so like, what's her? What's the pool? Like, what? Like, how I'm many? I, I should have made that analogy. I've never seen The Bachelor. Because, <laughs> no. because, because here's the thing. I think like, we yeah, need. I'm here's the thing. Mueller, I think right? we need. You know what? I think we need. We need like a pool of people, and then from that pool of people, you dwindle it down to a certain number, and then you get to like the final two so or we something. Both, we all have. I'm assuming Ryan Huska and Mitch Love on our. Yeah, the thing that like, my the thing that I wonder yeah. about with uh, Mitch Love, just with the incredible incredible amount of success that he has seen in a very short period of time at the AHL level, if he doesn't get the nod for a head coaching job in Calgary, obviously like teams are going to look on him, but. Does he take that jump? Like, is there a world where he's an associate coach with the Flames first? Is that even something that's more appealing to him than the gig he currently has now? I Ryan Pike has added that way. per Elliot Friedman, Muller has inter- been interviewed by Columbus and one other team. Okay, so, so see, thank, like, thank yeah, you Ryan Pike. yeah. I just want to say I'm looking at it the opposite way. If if a team like Columbus is already doing interviews with guys like Kirk Muller, what's stopping them from doing interviews with guys like Mitch Love? And if a team like Columbus is getting real serious with a guy like Mitch Love and you're the flames and you're still trying to figure your situation out and you really want him involved. What does that do with your situation? Do you say, okay, you know what, man, just pursue that opportunity. Maybe we just go with Ryan Husker. We go with someone else. Or if you're Craig Connor and you're really into Mitch Love, you just say to hell with the process. You, 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 you sign him on the spot and you keep him in Calgary. I did say paraphrasing a little bit, but he'd be down with a, a greener coach. Yeah, he did say that. I know some other people were saying that maybe uh, there would be some hesitancy over the Flames having a first-time GM and maybe a first-time head coach, but I think there would be much less hesitancy over that if that first-time head coach was someone internal who is very familiar with the roster and the makeup of this team. That's interesting hearing like Muller and Babcock for Columbus, just two very different styles, because I almost wonder if like teams would look at a Mike Babcock and compare him to a Sutter's be like, doesn't really work with today's players now, yeah. especially the, considering the way things ended for him in Toronto. I mean, look, we're in a world now where uh, people like Joel, I mean, it's a completely different situation, but people like Joel Quenville are, are being put up in this situation for jobs. Like, I, I think at, I think for NHL teams and for better or for worse, they think, okay, we want a winner behind the bench. We want to get the best possible person, quote unquote, to lead our team to glory and all that. And if you have a shred of talent, despite whatever transgressions have happened in the past, you are going to get looked at those jobs. And that's why Mike Babcock's name's being peddled around. And that's why Stan Bowman's name was thrown around for the GM role here in Calgary. And Joel Quenville, a lot of people are saying, oh, is he going to go to the Rangers? Or is he going to go somewhere else? Like, his name's out there. So do you guys think Mitch Love should be, like if you were handicapping it, the front runner? I don't know what how handicaps work. We keep just picking ways of talking about this. Thing. I don't know if like, there's an, an obvious front runner. Here's my thing with Mitch. I think in a perfect world, if you're Calgary, you let Mitch follow what happened with Ryan Huska and Kale McLean, where they come up from junior they become the HL head coach and then they become an assistant behind the bench uh, for the Flames. Like, I feel like it would be a really good way to ease in a guy like Mitch Love. Because there's a huge benefit with having the experience with those Wrangler players that Craig Conroy would like to see more mm-hmm. of, more of the youth in the lineup. Totally. But at the same time, you do have some uh, battle-worn veterans where it's like, all right, how will, how would a Huberdo or a Kadri work with Mitch Love telling them what to do because by all accounts, like Mitch Love isn't, I wouldn't say, it's hard to say, he's not like a, I wouldn't 
say he's not a he's not a player's coach, but he's got a hard nosed style as well. But it's also, very blue collar, work pale type stuff. But also, I, I don't know if you've been to some of his practices in the AHL. They look like they're having fun. They look like they're having so much fun. And it's one thing to just be like, all right, you know what? You take your moment at practice and you just kind of chat with your boys and whatever. We have guys who are like hooting and hollering and whatever and hugging people in practice and stuff. And he is all about playing with emotion and he wants his guys to play with emotion. If... And, and, I, and one thing, I, I, I think about how his practices go, and I think about how Craig Conroy wants to make the environment more fun around the team. I wonder if Craig Conroy looks at that style and says, okay, that's a positive. That's something that would be an asset for, for Mitch Love in the interview process. So, yeah, I, I think if, if Mitch Love ends up being head coach of this team, my expectation is that the way practices are done and the general feel at practice and just with the team, there was an expectation that there would be a change for the positive. I remember the first practice back at the Saddle Dome after Bill Peters and the team parted way and Jeff Ford was running things. Things had been tense mm-hmm. up to that point uh, for not even surrounding the, uh, the, the racism situation, allegations from other players like your Dan. Uh, aside from that, practices had been tense. Like that core group, I think they were kind of known for having like one coach lose their shit on them, like tossing sticks, swearing at them. That would always happen, like with each coach they had going back to like Bob Hartley. But that first practice with Jeff Ward at the helm, they were playing music. And it was just, I remember like we'd all come to the rink and it's like, I wonder what they're going to play today. And Rasmus Anderson was usually the guy with the aux cord, but they were playing like Tiny Dancer and Benny and the Jets and guys were having a ball and it, for a time at least, it worked. Yeah, it went on too long. Um, And I will say, I don't, like Mitch Love being, I, I, I've never heard anything about Kadri or Hubert of not being receptive to coaching. I mean, I, I, I and I don't think. I just wonder because he's a young guy, he would be one of the youngest coaches in the NHL. Should he for, for, yeah, for sure. Um, I honestly, I, I think he's borderline ready, and I think at some point you have to take a risk. But I also like, I'm not totally on board with the idea that they should be going for the playoffs next year either, right? Like, I, I do think that this should be a development season, and I, I don't necessarily think, um. That they, that they need to be talking seriously about being But even tenders. if you just treated it as a development season, would they be bad enough to miss? That's the thing. So Looking yeah. at, like, because like, L- Edmonton's still going to be there. LA's really on the uptick. Vegas is going to Vegas. But, like, Seattle's there. But there's still some pretty rotten That's teams it, in the man. Pacific. That's it. Like, it's just... In a different world where you don't have the country, the Hubert Atlantic, if you're in the Metro, yeah, yeah, man, take the development season, rot, get the highest pick your franchise has ever had. Think about this team finished one point above the Florida Panthers in the state. I know people know this. This team is not bad enough. Where, all right, you say a development season, but this team is not bad enough to put itself in a position where it could get itself a proper lottery pick. And I I don't know. I do not like the idea of running a team and just kind of hanging around and being in the mushy middle, which essentially Calgary is in right now. If I'm putting together a team, I want them to be good and I want them to compete. Even if I know a lot of people don't like the whole, you know, hey, like put us in the playoffs and see what happens. I would much rather be in that boat than to be in the middle and be like, okay, I have no idea where we're going to go. We're just a no man's land. And if we're going to bottom out, we're going to be trash be trash. I don't think this Calgary Flames team as constructed right now is bad enough to be trash. I just think they're dangerous. Like it's dangerous, getting dangerously close to being 
three or four years behind where where Vancouver is in whatever cycle they're doing. Yeah, it's just... Like, so close to bottoming out, and it's like, nah, man, let's go a r- on a run at the end. With, with Connor Bedard is available, a guy who's from Vancouver who, you know, would have loved to be a Vancouver Canuck, and we're actually really sucking. Now let's hire Rick Tockett and completely ruin that tank. This is all why I specifically led with... with the seven UFAs mm-hmm. because all of this is true. Hubert Owen Cadre are, are not, are not enough. If you start dealing the Lindholms, the Tanevs, the Hannafins, they'll maybe they won't be last place, but I am. I, and I'm actually not advocating for a tank. I'm advocating for a year, a, a reset, a, a year where you say, okay, look, we're dealing Dan Vladar. I think we all know that the flames are going to have to deal. Vladar I think, I think you Wolfram, consider right? that regardless if you're tanking or not. Well, of course, I'm just saying you're starting there. Lindholm's not willing to resign. He says he wants some more time. Well, we can't give you more time. I think it was super cool that Craig Conroy openly admitted he didn't. He wasn't prompted. He said, "I got it wrong with Johnny Gaudreau." He's like, "I won't let that happen again." That was a really that was really powerful for him to say, oh, and it, it pretty much assures he was on nine sixty. Remember, yeah. in February of that year, I believe, saying, "I'm completely confident Johnny Gaudreau is going to sign." He got it wrong. They let that asset walk for nothing. It never should have happened. And it seems like, at least in the in the case of Johnny Gaudreau, it's not a situation where. I mean, at least from my vantage point, that he was trying to blow smoke and Johnny was just going to leave the whole time. It genuinely seems like Gaudreau, up until the very last minute, was considering his options. Totally. And Conroy, clearly, that was enough for him to feel like holding on to Gaudreau and and giving him that time and space and trying to sell him on the city, winning around, all of that. Yeah. He's not going to let that happen again. He said that. Like that, and that relates to Lindholm, that relates to all of this. And it's just why, what does next year look like? I disagree that if you're dealing with Lindholm, you should be looking for anything other than players who are going to be around for six or seven years. I think that it, it, it has to be youth. And like, realistically, you've got Markstrom for, for a couple of years. But if you feel like but Dustin Wolf can make is, an impact, and we're seeing that more and more now. Yep. I mean, look, I remember I, I was on a radio show uh, speaking with a reporter in Vegas before this season started and him talking about how the goaltending situation meant that they were not going to, they were going to be a disaster this year. You know, like they're, we get these things wrong sometimes, and sometimes you just have young players who step up. I mean, that Vegas team was more ready than a lot of us realized. That Vegas team, to contradict myself directly, is exactly also what you would look at and say, well, actually, yep. one bad year doesn't mean that you're out of it. Here's the one thing, though, because that Vegas team also had a ton of injuries. They were playing through like five defensemen throughout parts of the year as well. But to your point, after they go through that year, which, funny enough, they lose in a shootout to Chicago that you know ultimately eliminates them, what do they do in the offseason? They fire their coach. Uh, they say goodbye to Evgeny Dadanov and Max Pacioretty. And then they add Phil Kessel. And I think Aiden Hill was also a, a newcomer this offseason as well. They didn't do that many changes. They just looked at their core and they said, okay, like, you know what? This was an off year. A lot of our guys were banged up. We're going to give ourselves another chance at this. And look at this. They're, they're within a stone's throw of the Stanley Cup final. So We also have to say thank you to, uh, I believe, undrafted Calgary product, former Calgary Buffalo, Logan Thompson, helped get him there. Mm. Get well soon, Logan He Thompson. looked like a Calder Trophy candidate yep. this He year. was insane mm-hmm. that first game in Calgary this season. Goodness gracious. So, quickly, you are, like, I am of the opinion that Dustin Wolf has done everything he has to do in the AHL. It is time to call him up next season. I think all of us, absolutely, I, I honestly, like, Dan Vladar might be my favorite Calgary Flame, to be perfectly honest with you, just as a person. But we're great that you kind of have to move on. Here's the thing. It, the, the Flames are in a really unique position where, like, I think Dustin Wolf has done everything that he can to prove that, you know, he should be getting NHL time. But the Flames are also 
they don't have to call him up. Like he's still waiver exempt for another like two years. They don't have to rush him if they don't want to, but also like, I'm not sure what else Dustin Wolf needs to do. Right. I get that Jacob Markstrom's there and he has a no movement clause, but even if he's just there as a backup and that's your way of easing him into NHL minutes, like, and, and then after that, if he just continues to play well, then you, you change the role up for, for whoever's going to be your starting goaltender. Like, I really think Dustin Wolf has done enough to to put himself in that position. But at the same time, like, I, I think maybe another training camp, you, you put him through more preseason games. You If you're moving on from Dan Vladar, you're, you're, you're putting him in as your backup. Like, I hope people don't think this like, oh, man, like, he's so much better than Jacob Markstrom. Like, I think no. you do everything because you can to ease him in. You also need to look at Jacob Markstrom and say, like, okay, realistically, who is Jacob Markstrom as a goalie? Is he what we saw last season? Probably not. I feel like this was kind of like that blip that you got with Philip Grubauer, where it's like, oh man, like if Seattle even had like mediocre goaltending. He was also it, better towards the end of the year. Yeah, yes. and he was. He was picking it up. So I feel like he's going to do like the Grubauer thing and he's going to yeah. oh, bounce I'm, back. Like maybe he won't be Vezina candidate again, but serviceable. And just so nobody listening or watching gets this wrong, I was not advocating for Dustin Wolf being the starter. No, 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 no. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't take that either. The no, biggest no. thing is for him to get called up so he can be a backup at this point. But yeah, I think there are reps, people who yeah. would, there are probably, a, there's probably a small faction of people who would be like, ah, like Jacob Barks was trash, like put in Dustin Wolf as the starter. Like there were people who thought that, that the Flames should do that uh, in the final stretch of the season for sure. But no, I, I think at this point, if you're calling up Dustin Wolf, it's for him to be a backup. And yeah. that's not a bad thing, I don't think. And that's why, I mean, look, I'm not saying you got a ton for Vladar, but I, I I do think like that would be my as someone who has never developed an NHL caliber goalie. So I, I feel a little bit silly offering an opinion on this, but like that would sort of be my development. I mean, never feel silly Wolf. offering an opinion. Well, there's there there are things <laughs> when it comes to like oh what do I think is best for Dustin Wolf's development as a goalie? <laughs> where I'm like actually like no, this is different from me saying I think you should trade Elias Lindholm because you can get assets. No, I have I don't have a clue how to properly but I do think Dustin Wolf being in the NHL environment getting games in here and there working with NHL coaching with with Jacob Markstrom to be perfectly honest with you it sounds good yeah I don't know I just I just don't know is the league MVP the best goalie in the AHL two years running like what more does he need to do to get like a shot playing NHL minutes at least on some kind of consistent basis what more does he need to do I mean, and I, I think that we've asked. I mean, I think there's just it's some it's a situation that's applicable to a lot of players. Like another player, I guess a different situation a bit. But Conroy was talking about Matthew Phillips because that was a player that he advocated for. He and he said, "It was my next question for the record. Matthew." He <laughs> oh, said, yeah. "Matthew has done everything he can to prove himself at that level. Now it's just the opportunity. So the question Man. is where the opportunity comes and when, and that will be one of the tough decisions that." Craig has on his plate this year and with whichever uh, coach he decides to go with. I think like Dustin, you're right. It's a, I think it's a different situation between Dustin Wolf and, and Matthew Phillips just with, I think like the only similarity that I'm looking at there is they've done everything they've can't, they can't prove themselves at the AHL level. Now it's just a question of opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I will say this about Matthew Phillips. I think considering what he's done in the AHL, he should have gotten a longer look, especially this past year where the, where they only got to play two games. 
You only got to play two games. Got and, what, nine minutes a game? Each. Well, and you think, Not if you go back long. to the bubble yeah. season when he actually made his NHL debut, he was so close to having his first goal in his first game. So close. And it came in, like, a meaningless game. It was in that, like, Calgary-Vancouver game where, like, the playoffs the no- had already yeah, started. Yeah, the nothing bowl. <laughs> yeah, the nothing game. I, I think Matthew Phillips should have gotten a longer look uh, by the Flames at different points. However, I, like... I, I look at his size and I look at not from a height standpoint because there are guys as short as like Johnny Gaudreau who have totally made it work. But you know why Johnny Gaudreau is one of the best players in the world? Because he's, he's evasive. He for his exactly. Side. If you are trying to keep him in a corner, like, good luck. He will find a way out of that space. I've seen people on Twitter be like, hey, man, you know, Cole Caulfield has an NHL career and he's small. You know why Cole Caulfield is small? He has one of the best shots I have seen. From as someone who grew up in Montreal and and watched team the teams come in year in year out, he might have the best shot I've seen from a Canadians player. I've been alive almost thirty years. He might have the best shot I've seen from a Canadians player. Like Matthew Phillips does not have that. He's not evasive. He I, I admire the fact he goes to the net and and he tries to. He's unafraid of putting himself in physical situations to get those goals. You have to put yourself there sometimes to do that. Uh, and, and and to his credit, in the little bit of time he did get to play this year, he did try to go to the net and try to establish himself in that presence. I just I just have questions with regards to the frame that he has, the body that he has, and if he is able to make it work. I'm not saying it can't work, but I, mean, like, I have I mean, questions. Like, yeah, going to Wranglers games this year, and like I love Maddie Phillips as a person, Absolutely. his family. But talking to scouts at Wranglers games, they really do seem divided on whether the size is an issue. Well, he like, gets bumped by AHL defensemen. I don't want to see that, personally. Yeah, but I, that does make me think that because scouts are divided enough that there is more than likely an opportunity out there for Absolutely. him. And like Connie said, yeah, it's a gray area with Matthew right now. And again, like a player that I don't think any fans would begrudge him going out to try to get a shot. Well, it, they'll feel that way. And then if he goes to a team like Tampa Bay and he turns himself into like a 15, 20 goal score, it's going to be like, ah, or if the Coyotes told you. somehow get it together. And ah, uh, Valamaki, Mackie, and ah, Phillips take him to the promised land. Bad asset management. So with the Phillips question, this is, I'm trying to segue into Conroy said he believe, he wants there to be spots for young players. Absolutely. Let's go with basically including Rosicka, but then other than that, the AA, the Wranglers playoff roster. So you've got Walker Dewar, you've got Jacob Peltier, you've got oh, Walker Dewar is quick. Um, you know what's no, funny actually in all of this in terms of getting opportunities for young players? I did not think of Walker Dewar because I just assumed like his spot was assured 100%. on that fourth line. And what's wild about this too is. I think Brad, like Brad Living at the trade deadline was like, you know what, man? We, we made Brett Ritchie expendable because Walker Dewar was pushing to be an everyday player. So I don't I don't feel like we have to think about Walker Dewar so as Dewar a Dewar is in. So Dewar is in. I think in. he's yeah. in. I don't think we have to, to think about him at all. Let's, let's, we're not going to do the Rose thing because I don't know how to do it. But mm-hmm. Matthew Coronado, is he on the NHL roster for 65 games next year? 65 games this year? Wow. Okay. I could see him being in one of those spots depending on, uh, you know, what they do with that bottom six where it could be He has a good shot too, man. He does. He's doing some good stuff at the Worlds too. Mm-hmm. He's producing. Yeah, that's what and I mean. I, th- I say yes. I think he... Uh, it's such a small sample size, that one game against San Jose. But 
it was he got himself in positions, man. He did. He made some good plays. There was like one really good play he did with Jacob Peltier. Um, well, Jacob Peltier was kind of like spinning around, but he found a way to make a tweener yeah. pass. And then Coronado's just right at the side of the net. He has a really good shot and good offensive instincts. And if you're building out that bottom six and you're trying to give opportunities to young guys like that, I, I, I have to think Coronado gets a long look. And I'm using 65 sort of as an arbitrary. Yeah. You're mostly in the team, but we're not saying you're playing all 82 or anything. So Peltier? Yeah. Yeah. I think of all of the... Like Coronado, I feel confident about, but I think Jacob Peltier, of all of the young players who are trying to get spots, I think I feel the most confident considering the uh, NHL experience he gained this past year. Uh, I think after last training camp where he admitted that, you know, he was off to a pretty bad start from rookie camp onward. I think he knows not to go through that again, and I don't think he'll repeat that. And I think there's a spot for him at least maybe to start as like a third line winger. Maybe he's shown already if you're going to, if you have to put him up in a situation where he could play with uh, a Nazim Kaji, for example, he could make that work. I don't think we're going to see a situation again where uh, him being bumped up to left wing is going to push Jonathan Huberto to the other side. But uh, hey, he's shown he, he in a little bit of time, he was able to play up and down that lineup. And if they need to put him in those, in those different situations in a pinch, he can do it. So yeah, that's like, maybe if you look at the roster, like, Maybe like a Cole Schwint and a Connor Zary are the guys who get a cup of coffee. Maybe like a Dryden Honey. He's pretty so, effective in playoffs. I, I th- I'm interested in Schwint, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I liked some of what I saw from him. But like, we've got three. Cammy, like, where's Adam Rzetska? Is he playing? It's a weird one. I just never got the vibe that was there was enough thing? consistency there. There was that little stretch of time. on more lines? Like, I feel like he played on... First, second, yeah. and fourth. Because remember, there was that time when it was Huberto Lindholm and Toffoli, and then he jumbles up the lines, and then he puts Rizichka next to Lindholm. And after that first game they play where Rizichka looks good, Daryl Sutter says, it's important that Elias Lindholm likes who he's playing with. And he said that about Adam Rizichka. Like, that's really interesting. And that's also a player in the past, too, not to bring up Daryl Sutter again, but he said that, like, his future is not on the fourth line. And whenever he's gotten those opportunities in the top six to play, he at least has shown some promise there. It's just, just consistency. And he, and he'll say that too. Like, I know he doesn't speak that much when he talks to us, but if there's one thing he keeps reiterating is that he has to be consistent. And I don't know how he does it, but he's going to have to do it. But it, it seems like as a, as a fourth line guy, whatever he's put there, it's just not a fit. No, I feel like he needs to be playing with sort of offensive players. Um, yes. So, I mean, that so, those three, so we're sort of unclear on Ruzicka. As you said, I agree with you that I, I don't know that Zary is ready for a, a, a bigger role, although he did, I mean, he... That's why I'd say, like, a sniff. The goal he scored in game two against Coachella Valley was, like, one of the sickest goals I saw all season. Um, I, I super think he's still got, like, I'm not saying I'm giving up on him. I just don't know no. that it's next year. Um, but there's no one on, on the defensive end, like, next year, really, right? We're expecting Shillington back... <sighs> Like, the only person I could really think of who I think really has a chance would be Jeremy Poirier, but I think his defensive game still yeah, needs like work. Yeah, like, the offense is there, but that's that was, you know, the knock on him at the draft. That yep. was something that uh, we talked about this season where uh, Mitch held him out a couple times. It was get the defensive part of the game together because, like, offensively there's some really great things yeah, you can do. Skill, uh, yeah, yeah, the alternate, uh, DeSimone and Malosh, like, they had some good stuff, but I still don't know if that's enough to... Like those were those guys would work know. as like depth defensemen, yeah. Uh, and I think I feel as if the uh, the the Flames are going to be pretty good at 
shoring up that part on depth, especially. I mean, it's funny enough we we think of the, we're think, already thinking of the seven de- uh, UFAs for next summer. Michael Stone and Troy Stetcher are pending UFAs this summer. Yeah, and I think Michael Stone made it pretty clear he wants to be back. A lot of people, at least as far as I've seen, and I'm part of this camp too. I think I would try to resign Troy Stetcher. I think he did enough to at least consider keeping him as a as a as a five or six. I think he did enough that other teams will be sort of interested. That he, too he might need him more than the Flames do. That's but again, true. a lot of this comes down like the, the seven UFAs is the big question because if you're considering dealing two or three of those guys because you're not sure, then oh, you could sure use a guy like Troy yep. Setcher, right? So and you alleviate cap space that way too because right now they as according to cap friendly they're at like one two. 1.25 mil in cap space. And of course that's with some other contracts like Peltier uh, down the minors, but like that is not a lot of room to play with for this summer. No. All right. Is there anything else flames wise that we feel like we need to talk about? I feel I mean, uh, man. I'd like to shout out sometimes when people uh, comment, I like to check out their elite prospects page to see like, th- I think this is around the time where I told you Danny never to feel silly about having an opinion. Uh, I'm going to go back to, uh, where was it? How Calgary it Flames win the cup with a Ginla and Conroy. Jordan Stimson. We have a couple of uh, Portage College uh, vets in the chat here. Uh, Jordan, congratulations on your 21 games with Portage College. Uh, zero goals, zero assists. I don't know. Let's eight <laughs> pims. Thanks thanks for your input, <laughs> Stimps. <laughs> Sorry, um, throw it out there. Out. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know what's going on, guys. I don't know, man. Um, this was fun. I How did this prediction hour for fly tonight? By? Do we get a sweep? Is Matthew Kachuk take and Sam Bennett taking him to the taking him to the final? Is I, that going to happen? Tonight? I think Sergey Bobrovsky does it, man. Sergey Bobrovsky takes them there. Which of all pe- of all people, Sergey Bobrovsky, who so many people labeled as washed heading into this postseason, of all people to go on this type of run, that is such a cool story. Such an amazing story. I am dealing with the producer, so you guys just keep talking for a second. (laughs) It's fine. I mean, also, I will say, like, the thing I love as someone who grew up in BC, I am living for Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Just the reaction shots. Oh, my God. very great to watch. The Panthers have been a lot of fun to watch. But, like, my heart breaks for Carolina a little bit because I wanted this to be more of a fight, and I get, like, you know, one nothing game. Yeah. That's a goalie. That's a goalie fight to the end. Yeah, but, like, I mean, not to kind of broaden it out here, but I will. Like, that series could end in a sweep. Uh, Dallas, uh, Vegas, very well could end with a sweep. I don't know if they... One, it would be a more deserving sweep than the other, though. Absolutely, but, like, in terms of... At the beginning of, at the, beginning of, the, of the conference final, the big thing, at least I was on this side, where it's like, all right, fine, you know what? It's these southern markets. This is an opportunity for people to tune into some great series, some great teams. Not... I don't think that... I don't like the fact that they're both ending in sweeps. I mean, that's just how you play it, but, like, in terms of an entertainment value thing, like... I like these series going six or seven. I'm pretty sure there are some um, uh, rights holders who probably would have loved to have seen those games go a little bit more. If you're a fan of the NHL and the NBA, all but like one series in the conference final it's so far. bizarre that it's happening. It's so way. weird. All but one series between both sports. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a sweep. And I think that if, I mean, I think the advantage if you do the NHL, and, and this is sort of something I referenced with Ryan, and I think it was the athletic that did a story. And like Matthew Kachuk is the, league's breakout star yeah like we all are like oh yep. mcdavid whatever all of that like within the american market i mean he is the guy you should probably be, be marketing around right now the talent um, the the the, the presence the, the personality he's got yeah, attitudes, a better word to all use. of it um absolutely and i mean I, I know that that sort of sucks for people 
to, in Calgary who who may sort of be still be feeling some hurt about the way he left. Um, I certainly think it's something that the organization, I'm sure, has revisited a million times and being like, how did we lose this guy? Where did we go wrong? Because you're not supposed to lose those guys. But look, getting that guy in the Stanley Cup final right now, again, it stinks that, what, an hour down the road, Jimmy Butler and the Heat are probably, you know, soaking up most of the media attention um, in – in, in the Miami area, but that's still big for the league. That's the that's the pro to yeah. the con being that these series haven't been great. That's fair. Um, and I, I honestly think that we're going to see, like, Math, Matthew Kachuk's the guy. Get him. And I, I'm actually not trying to, like, this is just my... Yeah. This, I'm not trying to make a reference to my appearance, but, like, get him in GQ. You know? Like, legitimately, though, like, he is the guy to market around if you are this league right now. Um, he seems cool. Like, I mean, we, we know about the, the family lineage with, with uh, Brady in Ottawa, but also his dad, Keith. By the way, maybe an unsung MVP for calling him out near the end of the year, and it seems that the t- the the Panthers have been a completely different team ever since. But just off of the the personality, the type of player that he is, like yeah, I think if you're the NHL, you're all in on. That. And it seems like like sometimes like a Connor McDavid, for example, like all world type of player. It's only now where he seems to have accepted this fact that he should be kind of putting himself out there beyond being a hockey player and he's still kind of begrudging like he's still kind of like a little bit of a stick in the mud when it comes to being a personality especially in those commercials i never got that sense with matthew kachuk no, he knows I'll bring up, he just because we got a couple minutes um i apologize if you've talked about this on the show this week danny but you also did a, a really good uh, article a couple of years back about kachuk and uh, tatum yeah that was a really good st- yeah yeah that good was, on you forgetting that that was these what I will say about Take that is it. that was 2018. Um, I, I I am a basketball fan, so I happened to be in Boston for uh, a UFC fight and sort of had a had a morning and f- asked if I could go to the studio. So I talked to Jason Tatum, shared some stories, came back, talked to Kachuk, shared some stories, wrote a story up about it. Was really proud about it. As you should. This is prior to 2019 when sort of basketball took off a little bit in Calgary. It did not go very it, like nobody read that story so it was really nice of Jermaine Franklin yesterday to shout me out um and and sort of draw some attention to it because here we are five years later and I actually think it's gotten more clicks in the last 25 well, tell hours tell us about the, if people haven't read I, it yet one go read it but Danny tell us about the story instead of the clicks uh, it's you know what it's about them both being in high school in the same class together um it was good guys we are live in the Oodle Noodle studio Local Love Delicious, it's opening their first store back in 2005. Udo Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest and in Airdrie at 105 Main Street North. I want to thank Julian McKenzie for coming in, talking flames with us for the last hour. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Cammie for, for honestly coming directly from BC. I thought you um, weren't coming. She made it. made it. She made it. I want to thank Ryan Ballantyne for earlier coming in and talking stamps and some hockey with me. Uh, This has been fun. Thank you, everybody. And uh, yeah, well, I'm back Friday, so we'll, we'll talk to you then. Thank you, Danny.